Yang Gang Roundtable. It is 12, 11 p.m. Saturday, April 25th. I'm a little bit late. I'm glad that you guys are here. I just turned on Craig. I don't know what you guys have been talking about, but I figured oh. I'd just turn him on and do the introduction. <laughs> I, so I'd rather not yeah. mention the name. Ariel and Sheridan are here, and uh, Jeremy's here, too, for people who don't have any visual reference, just in case. For the record, I, I'd rather not mention the names of those people I was talking about now that we're recording. Oh, yeah, totally fine. <laughs> because... we, we don't even need to worry about them. They're public figures. Right, right. Be- because I am in, still enrolled in one of those courses. And, <laughs> and, it, and it, yeah, but nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh, don't worry. They're not going to. I highly doubt that the circulation of our little podcast is going to actually make it through the entire to... YouTube ecosystem. Right, right. But we we were just chill. We were just talking about like how I'm not going to mention any names, but there are a lot of like people out there who sell these uh, online courses for like large sums of money. Yeah, like sixty to three hundred dollars for a like twenty page book. Not even a book, a pamphlet, essentially. Right. I'm sorry, there are some that are really sketchy out there. Some people do offer genuine information that is useful to people and don't sell through normal publishers. Um, for instance, a lot of the original cannabis books, like um, Dr. or not Dr. <laughs> um, Jorge Cervantes, his giant uh, cannabis Bible um, printed back in the uh, 90s and 2000s, he couldn't get any publisher to... Uh, get on with cannabis to actually get his book out there. But some people that we're discussing are less than uh, helpful and um, are more profit uh, oriented. Right. And, and they, they prey on people's desperation and people's suffering to, uh, you know, pad their pockets. They, they say like, if, if you don't, you know, get our stuff, then like, you know, your the rest of your life is going to be miserable and you'll never be happy. And that rich life and those, you know, those things that you've always dreamed of will never happen to you. Just, the only thing that you have to do is like go into a whole bunch of credit card debt to, you know, get our course and then like, you know, really put your, you know, like all into it. But then when you get it, like you, you just fall into this rabbit hole where you know you really don't know what you're getting yourself into so it's it's i i think like a ubi would definitely serve to stem the tide of that predatory behavior because because people can say like oh well like i'm not worried i have i have this thing to fall back on and i i don't but but if like it's like if you have nothing coming in and just money coming out then you're like oh i better you know get this course and do really really well so like you know, my situation will improve. And then that puts you in like a tight spot. Same thing for MLMs. And like, just they really prey on the weak because they know if somebody else can say like, oh, no, sorry, I have I have work that I really like, or I'm doing something that I'm really like, and I'm getting paid for it. But somebody who doesn't have that, they say, well, you don't have anything else going on for you. And uh, you're going to run out of money soon. So you might as well, you know, um, you know, take take me on this offer. It's, it's really I, terrible. I can't remember which um, economist said this in history, but um, it was commented that work is the refuge of the man who has nothing better to do. And I honestly do agree with that up to a point because work is self is pretty fulfilling in a more human sense. 
It gives you a sense of accomplishment, progress. Um, and that kind of um, refuge is helpful for people who just need to enhance their ambitions a little bit, who um, don't really have a solid direction, but know kind of where they want to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I'm not anti-work by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, trying to put you in that position there at all, Ariel. I'm t- totally against our form of work. We should have gone to a 16 hour work week. At the beginning of the, of the uh, millennium, and we should have gone to a four-hour work week last decade. Right, and and I'm I mean I mean when I was involuntarily unemployed, I was really pissed off because it's like you want to work, but then like people put you in this chicken and egg bullshit where they say where they where you go on and you you know you go through an online application and then they're like oh okay so what's your experience it's like excuse me asshole i need my first job oh well then like uh you know apply for this unpaid internship and even the unpaid internship if it's something like a high industry even an unpaid internship is now competitive to get into it's like it's like i'm fighting to be a slave i don't know and this what you're describing here is the social unrest Andrew Yang was trying to get across to people. We have more people than available functions. And the only real limitation of why we even see unemployment statistics is because of how people get access to resources to feed themselves. And a lot of that is through unpaid internships, like you say, that are now becoming competitive. Those people are still living off of the state's welfare programs or finding other more, uh, less legal means to get the resources to feed themselves. So I was so pissed off. I'm like, look, I don't care. Like when I, when I was young and desperate, I said, I don't care what job it is. I'll just take any job. Like, just, just give me something. So, so then, uh, I got, I got, okay. So like, like, uh, I did fast food and it quickly, became soul crushing because it's like what the hell am i doing with all this education and uh you know here it's like are you are you freaking kidding me like this is this is such bullshit like i could i could have done this as like a fifth grader no kidding like like i could i could have done that as a damn it like it, it would only take like a second grade education for goodness sake and and it's like they make you go through that and then like i got i got sometimes you get caught in these shady jobs that the stupid schooling system never like um warns you about such as like i the, one one job was like oh like you're you're giving like government phones to like people in need who who like need like phone service so i'm like oh okay oh, so I-, I i love that so much because that touches on another really crucial failing that UBI solves in our welfare state. Um, right. You were uh, you were hired by the government, correct? No, no. It was it. The government does it through these stupid. Shady yeah, yeah. A, th- a third party company hired you, but the funding came from the government initially. Correct? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely. Are- this is this entire case study is basically reflective of the entire welfare state as a whole, including our private right. for-profit prison complex. Right. So the so state, the- I, I want to give a quick description for oh, our audience who may not fully understand the uh, general template. Our okay. state has a public problem and they don't want to deal with it themselves by and large. That would mean legislating, hiring, and ensuring that a department is set up and fully staffed and funded. 
Instead, they create a legislation that allows free enterprise to fulfill that public need. And then they give federal funding or state funding, depending on what legislature passes it, to private companies that fill out forms for this money. And then we'll hire people like you to then begin deciding who is worthy of a public service and who is unworthy of a public service. And the, the simple fact that you have to be hired is less public service for the public. Huh. And they, they do it through shady means. No, I don't decide. I just, I just give it to anyone. I, when I was describing you, I meant the employees of the business that is getting funded by the government. I want to be oh, very okay. distinct about this. The business and its employees are very separate entities and do have separate interests. Right, right. So, 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 they, so then I thought like we were going to, um, what's the name I'm looking for? We, we were going to somewhere to set up like a, a booth or like a tent and, and like that. And then I, and then I, they, they, you know, they quote unquote hire me and they said it was salary plus commission. But if you don't make enough commission, then we can't like keep you on. So I'm like, Oh, okay. So like, I'll give this thing a shot. So then, um, this lady gets in my car and she tells me to drive to the most sketchy, parts of town and then i'm like hmm this is really weird like what is going on here and then and then i'm like and and then like we we were we're at forgot to, we're at a liquor store and it's like and i'm like okay so what do we do from here she says oh we just we just like ask random people who qualify for food stamps for like cell phones and i'm like are you kidding like no no um uh tent no no nothing and then she's like nope and I'm like, what the hell? It's 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 like she's standing in front of I kid you not a trash can and with 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 like something on it and and she's she's like she's like talking to random people like yo yo you want a cell phone cell phone I'm like what the hell is this? I was like <laughs> I was and so- that also highlights another incredible inefficiency in allowing free enterprise to get creative. You get incredibly, I really hate to say this, but uncredentialed situations that customers are put in. For example, you don't want people going onto the street to a drug dealer's house to buy cannabis for uh, medical states. Right. Some states put medical patients in that position like Kentucky, Uh but most states provide a state uh, service and expect it to be upheld to food grade standards as part of their restaurant industry and their handling stuff, as well as their medical grade standards for regular operating businesses so that customers are properly safe when they're in the business and are getting safe products. There are so many problems with allowing free enterprise with no regulations. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like to describe the less than legal market as the true free market and our legal market as a regulated market, because that's what it is. If there wasn't regulations, we would have Wild West pump and dump schemes of all kinds of plastic crap, more right. so than Hasbro just making bullshit. Right. And 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 then and then I said, you know what? I'll just give this job. Okay, foolish of me because because of our workist paradigm. I said I'll just give this job another chance 
I, I'm, I'm, I like, you know, like a job is a job kind of like stupid mentality. And then I said, and, and I'll just, yeah, do one. some jobs are simply not worth it. If you're in a right. bad job, do leave. You will feel yeah. so much better. And unemployment is incredibly generous right now. Right. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden, like the next day, and then all of a sudden I found out that this sleazy ass manager made the, the, the girl that I was driving with, she came with her kids like like and and then and then like it it was like half i had to do babysitting and then drop them at home and then and then i'm like can't can't this guy get sued for this or something like that i'm like he can can he really you know well so that's where the interest that's where the interesting legality is uh ariel i'm just starting don't you worry you didn't miss anything um without um you know you know uh, at least a week you actually owe him money. But I said, I never signed a, any contract. I never signed anything. She's like, oh, you did it? And I'm like, no. And so, so all of it, it was so weird. Then, then I dropped her and then, and then I, ne- and then I got the hell out of there and I never, ever looked back. It was yeah, like, don't and, look and then I appreciated more the, the, the area I lived in and the things I had in life after that experience. It, it was, it was like, it, a, a, like a job that was like a traumatic situation for me. Then I go online and I find out there are like so many people exploited into this jobs. There, there was like a documentary called The Slave Circle and like, like all these shady third party companies exist and they they do all sorts of terrible things with their salesmen and one what there was like an australian company that honestly made their salesmen shove cigarettes up their butts if they didn't like fit certain quotas and like and and they 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 get all these like desperate people make so, them into sales uh, people uh, and like what goes may. on in these like these rooms and stuff like that where they hound the salespeople it's like a freaking cult of like it, it's 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 a fraternity these the, where these salespeople get together and they talk in these wall street types it's more it's like it's 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 like the the like it's it's like wolf of wall street type you know hazings and fraternity behavior and shit like that it's crazy it's crazy it absolutely is ariel and i've been in a ha- a couple of MLMs and they have the sure, exact same culture. You, oh, you, you can't hear me? Oh, okay. Now, now, now it works. Sorry. Oh, I was probably just sitting too far back from my mic. I do apologize. Oh, so um, I worked in a couple of MLMs and they have a very similar mindset. It's the um, dollar at all costs mindset because of their model. They are 100% lean. And that means they have no underlying funding. So employees are the ones that are actually supporting the business almost entirely. This includes companies like Uber and Lyft, in which you never see a business beyond an app and a sticker on a car. You only ever see a driver and that driver's car that is being used. Now, I'm not dissing on Uber or Lyft. They provide an incredible service to otherwise unused um, assets and otherwise unemployed people. However, they do not provide enough value to those people that are working for them. They are definitely an exploited class of workers in the gig category because any gig worker is financially insecure and has no genuine power economically simply because they are financially insecure. 
And that's the power of a basic income. The financial security is political power to say, nah, not this job. It seems shady and illegal. But right now, people, especially young people, are easily drawn into crime because of that. Right, right. And so to, clear, oh, uh, to clarify, uh, MLM stands for multi-level marketing, right, Sheridan? Absolutely. Essentially, legal Ponzi schemes where you right. have a Things product. Things like Amway in the past. Amway is actually one of the big cases that made MLMs a legal industry. So they are actually a real business because of the volume and yeah. scale of products they work on. Similar to yeah, I'm Amazon. sorry to interrupt you, and I want to let you talk and expound on it, but I just wanted to make a, the point that an analog for Lyft or Uber today could possibly be Amway. Exactly. Um, everyone knows now how predatory it is, but back back then exactly. was able to ruin many, many lives and was considered a very positive thing by the culture at large for a long time. Essentially, so, yeah. Amway was Amazon, but with people. Um, it was the... Uh, first try, uh, try at getting door-to-door delivery of products, which Amazon does now on the back of public infrastructure like roads and our mail system. Yeah, I call I called them Scamway. But um, here's now here's my beef. Uh, you would think that our stupid schooling system would um, talk to us about, you know, um, predators in the job market. Uh, scams in the job market that that's that's actually i unfortunately think a long way off unless we come to an incredible maturity as a global society about what children are and who they are as people because when you uh, actually start discussing the dark reality of what could happen in a job market and how people can be exploited and how they can be manipulated that's incredibly morally dark that most people are kind of hesitant to, to he, talk to even their own kids about, even yeah. though they should. You yeah. have to be open about what moral judgment is, because in my opinion, that's the only real uh, value that humans provide, because everything right. else can be automated. Yeah, and and the, the thing is, is that you would think that these stupid, but the schools, you know why that were so prone to get uh, uh, into like a job that a predator wants to exploit us because schools teach us this culture of subservience that that person with the title you know you should always listen to them and never question them uh, you, you know you might have some questions but you know you're the one who has to prove your worth to whatever you know higher up is you know hounding you know um uh orders at you so and then they say, any job, just take it and, you know, you're, you're being productive. So when the I absolutely credit- agree. And the any job, take it, you're productive mindset has led to the wage stagnation that has forced people into multiple jobs because the they're like, just get another job. And that's the societal answer. And the societal answer can't be that when jobs are dwindling and there's more humans than actual functions. And mm-hmm. I, I want to ask uh, right, some so of Jeremy's it, thoughts on sure this. It. All right, man. So all you have to do from here to uh, actually get in the chat is... Hey, uh, Jeremy, you got to mute your mic, man. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> no problem, buddy. It's all right. I'll, I'll continue to expound on MLMs as Shale would like. Uh, multi-level marketings like Amway, I was mentioning, are the, kind of the prototype Amazon. Um, but they weren't as sophisticated as um, using the 
public postal, postal system as a cheap way of uh, cost reduction. Instead, they chose to leverage people and the theoretical benefits of employing more people below you. And that essence of employing more people below you is what a MLM is. Mute yourself. That'll be at the bottom there. Sorry, Fred the Felon has arrived unexpectedly. Hello, welcome. Uh, it's it's nice to have you here, Fred. Uh, I'm Shale. This is, hey, this? I, mean, I mean, this is all of our show. Of our I hate, show. I hate, I hate, to, I hate to, to take like a, a boss type role. I, I consider myself first among Go equals, but I, I'm the producer of this show. It's nice to have you. Uh, I didn't expect you until later, but it's good to meet you. Uh, uh, we're here talking about basic income. We do this a few times a week and this is the open discussion portion of the show. So just, uh, you can say whatever you like. Uh, hello. I don't know. I guess, I guess Jeremy's getting you set up technically. Yeah, okay. Jeremy, I'm I'm on with Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, I'm hang up with you actually. You cut out there. Cut out there. Yeah, 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 I just just so you know, you, we, we are streaming right, live on Twitch right now, which is fine. I want you to be aware. I'm also getting some feedback off Fred there. Oh some, wait, some I think. Lewd, lewd oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay. we'll fix we'll fix that. Um, Fred, I'm gonna I'm uh let's see, I'm gonna mute you for the moment. Should I mute you, Fred? Should I mute Fred while while we work on his technical problems? Are you are you good, Fred? No, no, I'm uh I'm not on the phone anymore. Okay, good, oh. good, cool, great. Uh, then I'll great. I won't. I guess. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, you well. Well, then, then uh, great, Sheridan. Please, uh, please continue what you were saying. Sorry for the interruptions, uh, Fred. Now, welcome to the discussion. You can jump in at any time. Uh, so yeah, MLMs. The essence of them is uh, you employ more people below you, and they actually spend their money on the mm-hmm. subscription or the initial inventory or whatever it is because the old saying of you have to have money to make money is very convincing to desperate people but mm-hmm. uh, that's actually the main cash flow for the entire infrastructure and you multiply that on millions of people decentralized it adds up really quick you know- ideally the legal way is is that they are door-to-door salesmen selling products and making a tidy profit on that but Obviously, with online shopping and with uh, big block box stores in every town, the door-to-door salesman is simply an obsolete task. Yes, and and the reason why, like our schooling system, turns a blind eye and doesn't even talk about these companies or warns us, is because think about it: Betsy DeVos is is like married to the or or some person she's married to has a cousin like the head of Amway. So it's like there is the infiltration of these scummy people and these scummy companies into our institutions that are supposed to be protecting us and helping us. So like our country is a bit screwed by these assholes, but you know, there's that. (laughs) Right, Jordan. So uh, I was going to uh, bounce an idea off the round table. I, I have this idea of funding a study right now i'm looking at uh i don't know if anybody's heard of the roosevelt institute but the roosevelt institute uh published a paper uh talking about rewriting the rules of the economy that andrew actually cites a lot of the information he gets from okay um funding a study by a think tank similar to them or them or a think tank that that we create ourselves um, and going to corporations and creating uh, a 
a uh, campaign where instead of asking Congress to pass UBI, instead what we do is we ask uh, or we prove to corporations that consumer grants are good for them. And so we dehumanize ourselves, right? And we just like, we just flaunt our consumerism. Like, dude, I would really like to spend more money on Coca-Cola every month, but I'm fucking broke, right? Oh, absolutely. Or, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So basically, basically what we're doing is we're going and we're, the campaign is like lobby the lobbyist, right? So um, getting, getting corporations, because we're going to Congress, right? And we're asking Congress on our behalf, and we're coming in like, we're broke, we're fu- we don't know shit, we don't jump have with, shit. With Angelo, he's actually um, going to do a Zoom call with the House of Representatives on the next uh, re- stimulus package, and he's going to fight and have a panel of people discussing why a $2,000 a month basic income during this crisis is exactly what we need. Yeah, correct. I'm on that. Uh, I, I know Angelo, uh, is it Angelo Mendoza from Tucson? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me and him, we, we were actually talking last night. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So uh, so basically what, we, basically what we do is we, uh, we go to, and <laughs> has anybody seen um, the animal people on Netflix by chance? I have not seen that, but I've seen a lot of uh, things that sound like that. Hey, you talking about Tiger King there, Fred? No, say, yeah. no, no. It's called it's called yeah. the Animal People, and what the Animal People did is they're a group of activists, right? And what these activists did is they were they they hated uh, animal cruelty. So what they did is they they there was one company that did a lot of the testing for all these different other companies so what they did is they they protested them but then they made it worse where what they did is they found out all their banks that they that loaned the money they found out all their customers they found out everything about them and what they did is they ended up tanking the stock right Hmm. so i think a uh a really uh, a really brilliant way to protest these people is to protest in the manner of, hey, I love your company, right? Instead of, fuck you, I hate your company. Instead, it's, I love your company. I just don't have enough money to spend with it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I wish I had more money to buy your product, right? right. Your, your product's too expensive. Why don't you automate, right, and make your product cheaper? That's actually... Uh... <laughs> A yeah. very important point that I hope we can hammer home in our la- legislature in the next five oh. years is that our economy as a whole needs to do another major adjustment on top of a basic income is to change to a deflationary economy because our mm-hmm. technology, our ability to produce things is exponentially growing and we are expecting things to get cheaper. We should match our economy to it, especially since we aren't accounting population growth anymore in inflation right we're using population growth as a basic income to supply more money to individuals but as cheap yeah. as 
get if you if you don't have a source of income zero can't buy you anything even if it's two cents <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so 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 the thing is is instead of calling it ubi we're calling it like consumer grants right uh, uh, and branding. right so right. you Be need to provide that because that? uh the rebranding there there is a wonderful microcosm of what happened in the 70s with the rebranding that uh, Democrats tried to do to regain what they had on the table only a few years back with new Republicans um, in their current place. They tried to do the UBI, but it kept getting shot down and they just went welfare state expansions. And the left just kind of fractured and forgot about the universality pro uh, problem because welfare state does seem to cost less until you actually look at the social costs as well. Well, it, well, essentially what I'm, what I'm saying is, 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 uh, when, when we, when we pitch the corporations on this, uh, we're not really, we're not really banging the table for us and a universal basic income for us. We're I saying, totally, I, I totally get the, uh, brutal pledge to uh, let's buy some stocks and all get rich um, proposal, but you need to show the math well, no. as well with everyone being rich. It really is easier for everyone to get more rich. <laughs> uh, well, correct. But basic, basically what, basically what I'm what I'm, and I'm not saying that we're going to buy the stock, right? I'm saying we're going to buy the product, right? But, but what I'm saying is, is that your stock prices are going to plummet as a result of people not having enough money to purchase your product board said board right so the uh so what the government has been doing a lot is they have these government subsidies which is basically welfare for corporation instead of uh giving that money to those corporations give it to their their consumer base because it's going to end up in the corporation's hands anyway. And instead of going, instead of going with UBI with this idea that, uh, oh, woe is me, poor people, uh, you know, it's going to change working families. There's all these different people it's going to affect, right? Instead, you go to, you come at it from the angle of the basic, uh, the basic survival of corporations is dependent on these the the you know ubi or these corporate grant right for you know for consumers because uh, the reality is we are going to be automating and robots make better employees than humans you they did mention do. something that i think moderates would really latch on to which would seem like incremental change but actually isn't um you were mentioning how uh, shifting the grants. For example, if we literally took fossil fuel grants and started paying those grants out as a small, very small uh, dividend, freedom dividend to everyone instead of paying it to uh, corporations, I think that is a message you could really round up in and then lead to a generous basic income that would be really changing. What do you mean by that? 
Go ahead. So uh, 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 highlighted, especially in Andrew Yang's book, The War on Normal People, is the fossil fuel grants. He, he's definitely a fighter for the cli- for the environment. He would de- definitely dislikes climate change from fossil fuel companies being egregious in not picking up carbon limiting technologies. Um, and they actually get around this by having incredible lobbying to the point that they get paid for getting oil as part of national security subsidies. So if we shift those subsidies, like you're mentioning, um, if we actually take those subsidies from the fossil fuel companies, that is something you could sell to moderate Democrats and it would seem like a small change, but it would be the literal foothold to get the idea of universality cash payments in their minds. And it's just breadcrumbs to a basic income from there. Yeah, and we could also we could also go and say, um, much like much like what we do with democracy dollars, where democracy dollars would uh, wash out corporate lobbyist money eight to one, because like there was a guy who sold n- newspapers uh, in there was a newspaper company that had their price I think was six cents when everybody else was like ten cents, right? And this guy made a killing because he sold more volume, right? So if we can convince these these companies that the volume is in the 360 million people, and basically if you just get a dollar from every one person, you know, every person, your company is going to be huge. You know what I mean? Revenue is going to be awesome, right? I, I completely uh, agree with the multiplicity argument. But the issue is, is that moderate Democrats, especially more establishment moderate Democrats, who you'll be talking to, um, aren't going to latch on to universality because they have such ingrained hate for right wing people. And they're also just trying to be Americans, even if they're far right and a little deluded. They're we don't trying have to worry. their best. But we don't we don't have to worry about moderate Democrats or uh, or Republicans if we cater to the corporations that so my my ultimate point is it we're if we're going to congress and banging the table whether it be left or right do this do that right their uh their interest is the wealthy and the well-connected so if we can convince somehow the wealthy and well-connected corporations uh being that uh that instead of hanging help wanted signs everywhere we need to start hanging consumers wanted signs everywhere because there's not going to be help wanted signs everywhere because that help wanted sign is going to be taken by a robot right and that robot cannot I completely spend, agree that robot but, can it's physically impossible for that robot to spend money and, and with I, I completely agree fred but uh, both of us are looking 10, 20 years from now when that change is really going to actually be sunk into our society. Corporations are looking three months from now, six months from now at the most. Well, I, and, I think, well, right now, I think we can, I think with this coronavirus uh, situation, uh, with revenues and especially with corporate, uh, corporate retail, they are tanking. I mean, look at all the people that have filed for bankruptcy right now uh, or on the verge of. I completely bank. agree. Like, so, uh, I, there was a lawyer commenting that uh, their profession is so ghoulish because even when recessions happens, at least they get the bankruptcies. Yeah, perhaps. But I mean, also, they also have a duty to uh, maintain 
a valuable stock price. And uh, the only way to do that is to get people in the doors. So, I mean, when this is all over, hopefully, hopefully soon, we're going to have some kind of legislation passed. We're providing uh, direct cash payments. Let me try it this way, because I'm trying to provide you an argument for when you discuss this with Congress. And it might be found in how Yang says the money is there. For example, the federal funding to fossil fuel companies as part of the national uh, subsidies, national security subsidies I was mentioning, instead of saying um, that we should change that when they when you get asked, how are you going to pay for it? Say that we simply change priorities in our national security away from oil, away from fossil fuels and to people. We invest directly into people using the money that we're already spending. I think that's yeah, what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. The one thing that we got to do is take the work to, uh, yes, I agree. But one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're, we're dehumanizing people. That's what we want. That's what my message I want to get across, right? Is I want to dehumanize. What? I want to dehuman. I want to dehumanize people, right? And uh, cater to their corporate greed where we're, we're not investing in people. We're investing in consumers, right? Absolutely. And that, that's probably a perfect way to end it is we're not investing in oil anymore. We're investing in consumers, because oil's a very scary political topic right now for our government, especially our government that has incredibly expensive labor to get that oil. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're incredibly intelligent, by the way. Oh, thank you. That's a huge compliment coming from you. If you can't beat them, join them. So, but but exactly our own ends, you know. Yeah, exactly. Basically, basically, we have to close them on the idea of why like but uh, basically we we need to sell them on the idea of they're they're about to run out of consumers right and yes that is going to happen in the next uh and then i'm wondering if we could find a way to protest corporations right but with well, the idea with the idea of loving your product so much i just can't afford it right yeah, yeah. I completely that. agree. And I think maybe a uh, small, if you can get humanity forward on this marketing campaign on how people want to walk into stores and just turn away, like five second ads everywhere. Well, well, I mean, I do that all the time. I, I go into stores and waste all the associates times and just walk out, you know. I, w- I wouldn't do that if I, if I had if I had more and and it's very bothersome to you know when I when I was working at a at a Best Buy I would always like try to push people on the credit card and push people to like buy more and then management always gets pissed off it's like oh did this customer buy that thing or this thing so I said hey like I was all the time I was working at a Best Buy people would have bought more video games especially like fun things not things you need for survival just things you want for like fun and just to enjoy it'll be a boon to those people because because that that's the ones we should be protesting the ones who sell things that are luxuries and not necessities they're going to be hurt the most by people not having a UBI yeah and we yeah so we we protest like Basically, I thought about this, like going on Twitter, logging on Twitter and saying, man, uh, I wish I had more money to spend on Apple products. 
man, I wish I had more money to spend on Coca-Cola, right? When you do it, uh, use the uh, three or four letter uh, actual stock symbol with a dollar sign, and you can actually tag the stock in Twitter's uh, database. And algorithms do read that shit. I mean, not every human reads every tweet, but every algorithm, especially for financial stocks, do read every tweet. I, I got one. I wish I could afford this annual fee for this credit card that I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm working on. Like, uh, I spent all last night, like, just jamming on this. Like, okay, I need to, like, because basically, I, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, uh, you know, I have really kind of not, uh, I haven't really been in the, the whole uh uh hold on one second i I haven't been on my my game because i'm like i'm just kind of waiting on humanity forward see what they're doing you know just like uh, well you know i don't really know where my place is right and then all of a sudden it hit me right that they're they don't care about us they're never going to care about us they only care about themselves and it's uh, almost. Are you talking about humanity forward or the democratic and political establishment? Uh, all of Congress on both sides—they're both the same. The establishment. Red, you got it. Thank you. Yeah, whether it's um, whether it's the establishment or the progressives, the progressives don't care about us either, right? The progressives, what they want. Uh, everyone who's in right now is established. Don't you worry. Uh, no, that's 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 fine. Uh, what I'm saying is is. The progressives don't care about us either, right? Because it's uh, what they care about is clamoring, right? They want they don't want they don't want solutions, right? They want outrage. Uh, they want outrage and wins, right? Which they can't get, right? And yep, the progr- uh, the progressive left is actually uh, more dangerous right now than the establishment liberal. And here's my thinking behind this, right? Because 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 Donald Trump is in office, right? Because uh, what we need is we need a candidate that understands how to rewrite the rules of the economy to work for corporations, right? Not us, but corporations, right? So those corporations will lobby for their consumers, which is happens to be us. But I want to dehumanize us and just turn us into fucking consumers, right? We're all Karens, basically, right? So, basically, basically, yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. So, basically, if we look at this and we think about it logically, the reason I think the progressive left is is more dangerous is... It, the Bidens and the Obamas and the uh, you know the Hillarys, when they win, when they win, right? Uh, the progressive left is not going to vote for them, right? Now, on the way to the nomination, there's a lot of uh, classic liberals, the political establishment on the Dem side, that are going to say, "Never Bernie, never Bernie, never Bernie," right? Or you know, never, ne- you know, never. Uh, Tulsi or Never Yang, whatever, right? Uh, but I don't bluffing. think I've ever really heard a Never Yang, to be honest. Yeah, well, well, yeah, there probably is a Never Yang, but um, but they they are bluffing, 
Because if Yang or Tulsi or Bernie or Steyer or Marianne would have would have won, you guarantee I can guarantee you the Democrat establishment would vote for Bernie over Trump. The problem with the progressive left is when Biden won, or if Pete were to want, win, or Klobuchar was to win, is the progressive left would wrap. Uh, there's a, many of them would rather have Trump in office just to show the uh, just just to show the uh, establishment that their vote matters. I absolutely agree with part of what you said. If it was and- Bernie and Trump, Bernie would win hands down because most Americans want change. Or if you look at the voting populations, especially of caucus states like Iowa, you'll see a lot more elderly moderate voters. And that is really the linchpin which hurt this primary. There was a lot of moderates who were about to jump ship into the progressive lane, like genuine progressive, Yang progressive. But unfortunately, the Iowa caucus had so much tension and devolved into such a mess. Not only was the ground game not perfect for Yang, but the mess that Iowa made actually, I think, was why Bernie had such a good run. It's because out of that mess, he was top of whatever the early news was. He was top. But largely the voting moderates, the people who constantly go out and are like "Eh, incremental change. They pushed Biden, especially after the moderates consolidated. I really do believe that the Democratic establishment may may have had a far more reality TV uh, sketch going with their environmental dynamics on how they were rating stages and how polling came out, um, especially with the qualifying polling. That was incredibly suspicious. But the DNC is the DNC. Yeah, yeah, I really so, think that the uh, reason we had so many moderates wasn't just because we had so many people wanting Trump out. It was probably that they were put there to give moderates in Dem- in the Democratic uh, Party more of a chance consolidated, even if they were well, in the individual thing, campaigns. The, the one thing I like about Yang is like Yang is like the perfect hybrid between an establishment moderate and a progressive, you know. I agree. A if progressive Yang, left, right? I have a, and and I have a also con- a fiscal conservative, right? Uh, it, you know, like there's and the the problem with the Republican Party versus the Democrat Party is you, you have a couple different kinds of Democrats. You have the, or excuse me, a couple different kinds of Republicans. You have the fiscal Republican, right? That really doesn't care about social issues, like they don't care about gay marriage. Gay, gay marriage is not, they're not a Bible thumper, right? And then you have your Bible thumper, Republican, right? And then you have your redneck racist, Republican, white trash, right? Republican, right? So those are kind of like the three lanes, right? The issue, the issue with the Republicans when, when we're up against Republicans versus Democrats is the Republicans are, so, they get, they unite so quickly, Right. I love Uh, that you bring that up because I wanted to touch on another thing that you had mentioned, which is an interesting problem. I'm not sure if it has a proper name, but it's essentially, I think it's a fairly American uh, paradox. It's a left fracturing paradox where we have consistently over the past six decades in terms of policy 
slowly moved more and more and more right, which is why I now describe our political environment as only democratic. There's only a right-wing party, and that's the Democratic Party right now. We don't actually have a real left party. That is how far right our Overton window has been dragged. And it's simply because the left have so many potential possibilities and they can't agree enough on what candidates would be best for that utopian dream they have. Yeah. The problem is, is that Republicans are willing to accept a handful of things and they're willing to be flexible to get one of those handful of things. Democrats are less flexible. They're far more into purity tests and making sure that their candidate has every single box checked instead of most box checked and a good personality. Yeah. And what happens, what happens is, you know, and I've been telling people, I said, man, I wish we could get Yang to suck just a little bit more. Right. What happens because the way the Democrats run the DNC and their their voting block and their uh, their primaries and the way that the media is controlled, uh, you know, on the left side is you have you have to suck. It's like you're not able to to win the nomination unless you suck bad enough to win it. If that makes sense. Right. Like really good candidates, like perfect example. If you're an establishment candidate, right? The person that you should have put forward is Amy Klobuchar. And I hate Amy Klobuchar, right? Just because of her hair, right? Oh, you'll love my conspiracy theory then. Right? But if you're an establishment candidate, Amy Klobuchar, if you go bill for bill, work for work, work ethic, what she's got done in her state, what she's got done in uh, she's better than any other establishment candidate, right? Period. But, uh, you know, they have the people that they choose. And, you know, they're not going, they're not going on a, a resume. Um, this, this is why I believe we need to have ranked choice voting so we can get the grip and kill the widening of the two parties so that the lane in the middle, that there might be two or three lanes in the middle. Like we could actually have a real libertarian party, right? We a could real actually green have, and uh, a, a libertarian a real, party would really change the balance of power. Because the green real, and libertarian. A real progressive left party where the, the progressive left can have their own lane and a classic liberal can have their lane. Actually, and then they I can, think. I think that would be the best case coming out of 2020 is both the Green Party and the Libertarian Party get to 5% and become a federal parties. And then we would have a left, center, and right, and extreme right party. What would, what would be the extreme right party? Republican Party, GOP. They, they have drugged themselves incredibly far right now. Well, I think that was kind of the hope in the... Uh, the 2016 election, um, I, th- I think Jill Stein had way more momentum for her campaign than uh, Howie Hawkins currently does. Um, and to be, I mean, I can't even off the top of my head, I can't name any other third party candidate. I know I've looked into him. But man, uh, Vermin Supreme is the libertarian uh, <laughs> candidate. I, 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 like can't, I, I can't. I can't take a guy who wears a boot on his head seriously. Like right. that's if you if you look at his uh, political speech for why 
he is and what his platform is, he expressly states his boot is because it's stupid. Because our current political, highly politicized politics have become that stupid. Oh, yeah, man. I agree that Vermin's actually an intelligent guy and he's actually playing, I mean, a, a pretty impressive game. Um, just, you know, making a mockery of the whole election cycle. But I, I don't think that a, a dude with a boot in his head is going to be able to draw 5% of uh, the American vote. I just don't yeah, see I, it. I just I can't, I can't take it seriously. Just for me, right? Like, um, it's okay. You don't have to wear a tie. You know what I mean? But, you know, I need, I need you to at least come out with khakis, a belt on, and a polo shirt. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Your shoes don't have to shine, but, like, and I need you to shower once, once or twice a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, like I, that's that's what I need. <laughs> you, you know. You, so I, I think I think uh, Fred, you'd enjoy my conspiracy theory about the Iowa caucus. I have a no, go ahead. conspiracy that um, not only the classical conspiracies that are out there about you know Pete Buttigieg hacking it and all that, but that we're on a different timeline and Andrew Yang actually took Amy Klobuchar's place in the real base timeline so andrew's actually uh running high as the presumptive nominee against bernie through this virus <laughs> while we have to deal with the consolidated B- biden well in 2024 let's say andrew let's say andrew does nothing right and you know like he doesn't get a ca- cabinet right he doesn't run for mayor and he continues to work with uh, humanity forward and just do, do his thing, right? So one of my one one of the biggest things, you know, I don't know how I don't know how many of you ended up in Iowa or we're gonna caucus or was anybody gonna caucus? Oh, no. unfortunately, my state still hasn't had its primary. Okay, so if you're trying to pitch Andrew to somebody at a caucus, the biggest thing that, that I like his ideas, but uh, you know. He doesn't have any experience, and we saw what we got with no experience in Trump, right? You know, yeah, that that's so, always such a lame, a lame excuse. It is very it, well. It, it, it's a valid excuse, but it won't be a valid excuse in twenty twenty four. Even if he think. hasn't taken government, even if he hasn't taken a government position, because the to overcome that objection, we'll be able to say, well, uh, experience. And temperance and uh, uh, decision-making process are not the same, right? And uh, you don't necessarily need one to have the other. Uh, but if if experience is such a big component in the decision-making process or the uh, the qualification to become the president or a Congress or what have you, why are all the people... When the shit hits the fan with coronavirus, calling on my guy for how to overcome the coronavirus. Why is the Trump administration going to Andrew Yang? Why is uh, multiple level, uh, multiple people in Congress going to Andrew Yang about his universal ba- basic income plan or other plans that he has? If experience is so uh, so important. He should be a non-issue. Like we should, nobody should be going to him. So, Fred, I completely, I completely agree with you. However, I think What's that? I completely agree with you, but I think you're not looking optimistically enough. 
I think since after his CNN hire and after Hillary has endorsed and paid significant money to Humanity Forward, he already has the credibility and experience necessary for more moderate voters to actually take him seriously. I agree. If he hadn't uh, had so much establishment obstacles to the idea of a basic income, he would definitely be in the nomination right now. Dude, I think what really killed... uh... You cut out there. I think we lost Fred. Oh, I think we lost him, guys. Yeah. Winning the nomination, period. Okay, he's back. There we go. Expand upon the, the, you know, pushing corporations idea. I think we, if we can be like the most aggressive Karens for UBI that we could possibly be and just head in that direction, maybe we'll see a change. I'm all for pushing the corporations idea, but right now during a pandemic, when we have multiple stimulus packages coming through and we're about to have a panel of people talk to Congress, the most important entity right now to convince is the government. They have a duty to not let citizens die. It's a self-evident duty written in the first paragraph of the Constitution. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the, so the I'm thing all for pushing doing... corporations, but they're looking after this coronavirus. They're looking to banks yeah, yeah, and the, debt institutions for their quick the, cash after this. Yeah, the corporation thing that I'm, that, that I'm cooking up is a long-term, it's going to be a long hard fought battle that's going to require tons of uh, research. Uh, I've got some people that I'm meeting with from the Obama office, right? I'm going to, I'm going to be getting with the Clinton foundation. I'm going to be, you know, I've already, basically I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to try to talk to the. Yeah, that's good. Um, because, uh, like, I think where the progressives and the whole Bernie camp went wrong is to just make everything established. A All about the, follow-up. Their, oh, I that? think that, that what the Bernie camp got wrong was to make the establishment, like, their mortal enemy and, like, have this exactly idea of, like, right. never capitulating, never working with them. It, it was like a what scorched earth policy. Like the Bernie camp, politically a... scorched earth. That's yeah, exactly, it was, it, that's everything was, was politically scorched earth. We will not have that scorched earth attitude going forward. Like my way or the highway with everything. Oh yeah, that really brought them down. Back. Yeah, I mean, there was, there, you know, I, I was in the campaign for uh, the, uh, you know, we have a chat for the two uh, K, two K USA. You know, uh, hashtag uh, Congress Task UBI, right? And in the chat, there was somebody in there. I think her name's Maria, right? I'm not a fan, right? And I care less if any of you told her that. But um, you know, she she came in with you know the the guillotine conversation, right? Like eat the rich, guillotine the rich. You know, and I, all that all that is you know the Bernie camp bullshit, right? And I was it, and it, it's rooted in jealousy. And everybody here in this chat knows that if I could w- wave, w- uh, wave a magic wand and make every single one of you fellas rich, uh, there's not a single hand that wouldn't go up, right? So yeah. a lot of that is just rooted in jealousy and that scorched earth. That's counterproductive. Atti- yeah, that scorched earth attitude that Bern- the Bernie Bros have. It people, your big, your biggest asset is your ability to influence, right? 
can't have influence if you're on opposite sides of the table. Uh, Jeremy posted a photo. It was a clipped tweet of everyone has Yang Gang. They're just asymptomatic until they get joblessness or recession symptoms. And I think that's very, very true because Yang had such a well-balanced platform that was actually progressive. I know that progressive Democrats like to call themselves progressive, but they're neo-establishment at this point. Um, our, our greatest allies can be rich people. What is it? Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk. Oh, man. Jack Dorsey had an incredible interview like yesterday or the day before. <laughs> He actually uh, talked about Andrew Yang and how he was 100% right with everything he needed to do. Yeah, here it is. No scorched earth and no uh, purity tests. Those are the dumbest things ever. And when Yang Gang was growing, like the Bernie camp could have made friends with us, but they, they tried to squash us and not even listen to us and not even give a damn about us because of their they lost. I, I had to actually peg someone down there's a uh, more centrist person that i'm i follow can, and I'm pretty good friend can you link but he can uh, you link that interview uh in the uh in the discord somewhere uh jeremy it was on the zach and matt show yesterday i believe okay yeah yeah i got it, yeah, it was that, uh, that lex friedman interview yeah that was it was a good one um but uh Punk cost fallacy. I just want to say that because of 2016. And they just rode the sunk cost fallacy all the way to their tomb. Absolutely. There really is a sunk cost fallacy that you have to avoid with that. And uh, amazingly, Yang didn't have it at all. So he was like perfect for everything. It's just the establishment didn't want to start divvying money out because that would actually hurt the core of the democratic party they do specifically work for disadvantaged people for and uh working families right not and for everyone especially for rich people and a ubi forces you to admit everyone can be rich or right. some will be rich and a lot will be poor those and, are the only two systems and they didn't even take the time to like uh listen or i mean and and the progressive wing didn't even want to take, take us seriously. They, they they attacked us right out of the gate. That's the part that pisses me off the most. It's like, hey, at least hear us out. No, no, like whatever exists and it's outside of our philosophy, even though you may agree with us on some things, we have purity tests and we have scorched earth and we'll never. It's stupid. Thank you for reminding me of what okay. I was uh, leading off of you with, with uh, the tweet I had to respond to. Uh, they were making a false equivalency between uh, Yang and Bernie, how uh, Bernie endorsed Biden, and it was um, uh, something along the lines of how he's not a sellout and he's connecting campaigns. And I uh, wanted to reply, I did reply that this isn't equivalent at all to what Yang had to deal with and what his endorsement was like. Well, Yang, Yang obviously had done the math and said, you know. I mean, Biden was the eventual nominee, right? Anyway, yeah, so, he one hundred percent did that. But you know, um, I, I've called into the, and I encourage lots of people to do this, right? I've called into the Tim Black show, right? Call in on every Tuesday and Friday, right? And so what I did is I, you know, 
And I, I went back and I looked at the comments, the live chat comments. People were like, oh, man, this caller is great. I love him. You know, yada, yada. And then I started to mention Andrew, right? Um, you know, I said, Andrew's my pick for 2024. Uh, but basically, I said, uh, the establishment, uh, or excuse me, the 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 progressive wing of the party went about this all wrong, right? What they did is, and Andrew did too, Andrew led with UBI, right? Um, and Tulsi led with uh, foreign policy. And Steyer led with uh, climate change. The problem is we, we needed somebody to lead with democracy reform because we can't get anything done until we solve that one problem. And well, we've got- actually, I really love this argument because I have it a lot with um, more of the Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren crowd because they are very policy-oriented. And I described to them our capitalistic democracy in detail with lobbying and how there are citizen lobbyist groups like the ethical lobbyists um, where citizens can actually pay for specific issues to be taken care of but citizens don't have money at all. A basic income cuts through the red tape and gives them money to do whatever, including politics. I agree democracy dollars is important, but not as important as money, period. Well, the, the, uh, the, the crux of what I was saying is that I, um, it, I agreed with, in terms of uh, Warren, I really agreed with Warren in her her general ideas, but I didn't agree with the language uh, and the policies, uh, and I didn't agree with her as a person. She always talked about defending America against the wealthy and well connected, right? But she didn't she didn't form that into policy like the democracy dollars, like uh, ending uh, Citizens United and uh, ranked choice voting. I completely agree. Uh, in she, fact, there if she was... would have done that, if she would have done that, she probably still wouldn't have got my vote because of her, because uh, inauthentic, right? There but is, I there is a, a YouTuber that I'm a patron of on Patreon, Economics Explained, and he actually was going to release a full series of political videos detailing the economic platform of every candidate. He only got around to Yang, Trump, and Bernie, in that order. He was going to do Elizabeth Warren because she focused on economic corruption. But, unfortunately, because of how the race turned out, he never actually got around to publishing that. So there's a lot to talk about on that. Because she pinned her entire campaign basically on ending Wall Street corruption. But her policies, like you say, don't quite get there. And the number one thing she's missing is money to people to consumers, because currently the power distribution, because of our economic system, is wildly out of balance in favor of producers and big business. And consumers literally have nothing. They have to extort each other to get anything out of it. Uh, back, back to the, uh, the Tim Black call, all the callers, were, uh, all, the, all the chat was like loving me until I said, right, I said, I said uh, you know, it, I said, if you're in the progressive lane, we, we have to we have to get ranked choice voting so we can get our own party because the the and I'm not I don't consider myself a progressive, but I was just trying to get my ideas to that vein, right? I'm like, 
winning our own party because the establishment Democrats don't they, they don't respect us because they don't have to. They feel like they don't have to because they feel like they're going to win the nomination. But they should respect us because uh, if we win, they'll vote for us. If they win, we won't vote for them, right? Um, and hence, Donald Trump will lose, or Donald Trump will win, rather. I completely um, agree. Ranked choice voting would be incredibly powerful to reform how our politics are even viewed. How do we get how do we get uh, ranked choice voting moving? It's actually dependent on each state. Some states like Colorado can do a voter ballot initiative where if I believe 20,000 people sign, they can get it added to their next uh, ballot cycle and it can be voted on to be discussed in the legislature. Um, whereas some states like I believe California have, um, or it might be like a Oregon, only have a legislature initiative where only the legislature can start it. So people have to call their representatives and get a bill started that way. All right. So yeah, but state I, legislature yeah. is how you would get the ranked choice voting done because of how our national elections even are taken. It's all put on the states. Right. So we need a, to make, we need to set up our pitch. If we, if we do something like that, we need to set up our pitch where it doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, it, 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 it doesn't highlight the fact that the goal of ranked choice voting is to uh, is to unshackle the chains of the two party system because the second makes that the uh, you know the uh, you need to make it about like voter voter turnout the Democrats will love voter turnout because they need voter turnout right they need high turnout in order to win if Republicans. Well, if we have low turnout, Republicans are definitely going to win. I completely agree with the turnout, though turnout is actually achieved through a different measure. It's through uh, increasing the ballot access. So mail-in ballots being mandatory, absentee ballots, even for residents outside the state, or even um, blockchain digital voting so that everyone can vote online Dude, would block, increase blockchain, turn, turnout. Blockchain is so... Like, I don't understand why it's not been freaking completely, it's unhackable. I mean, I, I just don't understand why we haven't. Well, the main issue is our government and how it's legacy-minded. Uh, for instance, even if we were to automa automate every car on the road immediately, uh, we would still leave signs and uh, speed limit signs up for anyone who chose not to automate or chose or got a, a classic antique car or a resale or something like that so that they could move into the new system. Our, our whole government, unfortunately, got rid of its transitional department, the Office of Technology Assessment in the in 95, like Yang highlights a lot. That's yeah. what the actual department that put new technology in front of Congress to go, hmm, maybe we'll do it. And that was when technology started to really vamp up almost too fast for Congress's every five-year checkup. So they just need to get back into the rhythm of updating. That's the real thing for uh, them to get on uh, digital and blockchain. For example, Estonia has a fully uh, digital democracy. You can do everything uh, except get your picture taken uh, digitally. How are we getting out outdone by Estonia. 
I, I, now that's actual critical questions we need to be asking our fucking Congress. How is Estonia well, I mean, out Are we really surprised? Fred, I mean, now, let me ask you, honestly, when you ask that, are you surprised? I'm not surprised we're being outdone by anyone on the electoral process. I mean, are you honestly surprised? Why wouldn't we be being outdone by Estonia? What, why would we be better at conducting elections? Uh, am I surprised? No, but am I, uh, am I embarrassed? And like Americans have. Yeah. So why do we act surprised still? (laughs) You know, Americans have this, this sense of national pride, right? I mean, maybe it's time to update that. I don't, I don't have, I have a sense of national shame, to be honest. I mean, I think, you you know, not ashamed of you, not ashamed of myself. I think we're all great here. And I think, you know, on some level, each individual American's probably a great person, but we have a very bad system we all have to own. And that is not something we should have pride in. We should be ashamed of the problem and trying to fix it. That's, you know, I don't think national pride is the thing we should have at this moment. That's why I love Andrew Yang's uh, American scorecard so much. If, if I could wave a magic wand, it would either be that or basic income. And I'd so, have a hard time choosing because so that's just, it yeah. would provide that. It would provide that orientation. Right. Yeah, I hear you. So it's just interesting, you know, to point out, like, we all, our first instinct is to go, you know, it's a, oh, how can that be? How can that be? But oh. we know how. We, we're, we, we, we know it can be. Like, we, we go, okay, we should. It's, it's the, the sense that there is this national pride. I think a lot of people just assume that other people don't you know feel as crestfallen as they, and it's time to update. Uh, Congress, you know, grills certain people in certain industries and does these things they always have these things where that is but what why why can't we grill like individual congress people like that's that's what should really happen well that's what the american scorecard should be it should be a progress report on ordinary american life that directly affects how the compensation ideally of their representatives and tax incentives for businesses that file. Let's get back to how Estonia is beating us on conducting their elections. It comes down to, you know, incentive structure, doesn't it? What are the, what are the incentives of the people who have the power to conduct our elections properly or improperly in this, in this country? The incentive is to conduct the elections improperly. It's very, in in a very simple reductionist way. I think it's obvious why Estonia conducts better elections than we do. It's because the people who conduct our elections are incentivized not to conduct them well. Am I wrong? You know? You're right. Oh, hey. I, I completely agree. We can look at gerrymandering. We can look at uh, disenfranchisement. We can look at any kind of voter suppression to illustrate your point. So welcome, Jacqueline. Glad you could join us. Fred the Felon is here. I am. Hi. Hi, Fred. Hey. I'm sorry I, I was late, but uh, my I have an injured husband. Uh, who's laid up and uh, uh, he, although he would normally go to the hospital uh, because of this COVID mess, uh, no way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry I'm late, but it's That's no a- problem. We're real, real casual here. Yeah. Um, and yes. even if we weren't, you obviously have something more important to do. You don't have to explain yourself. Welcome to the show. Relax. If you have something to talk about, you know, feel free yeah. to, to interject whenever. Okay. Thank you, Shell. I'm sorry. I'm usually not late without a very good reason for anything. Well, uh, I lied. I was late for my own wedding. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay. Like, it's not too serious. 
well, his his knee is swelled up really bad. It's, my husband's a lot older than me. I'm I'm I turned fifty three this this coming month, and my husband is seventy seven. And uh, he fell uh, outside on the concrete, uh, trying to drag in a bag of pellets, and his knee is uh, swelled up and could be. You know, we don't know if it's there's any fractures or anything, but with the COVID, uh, we're scared. To, for him to go to the hospital mm. we're scared to death because we're both medically fragile and you know he was hearing sto- seeing stories on the news on on the uh apple news on his phone that people have been going to the hospital for normal like medical emergencies and like not coming out dang it's so, uh, sadly very true yeah and uh yeah and so we're both terrified right now terrified we've never been apart since we got married back in 2003 we were apart only one time and that was when a human rights group asked me to speak uh about human rights issues uh in america this was over in great britain and that was back in 2009 and they flew me and i was sponsored somebody put me up but that was the only time we were apart since we got married. Put an ice pack on? We don't have an ice pack. What we have is um, we've got frozen vegetables, but if we thought, you know, we do that, then they'll thaw, and it's not a good idea to refreeze food that is thawed. So he's just staying up in bed right now and staying off of it, but that means I have to run up and down the steps and take care of stuff and make sure he gets, his, uh, gets fed so he can take his medicines. Because we can't have anybody come over and help. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> well, if it gets any more serious, definitely call your uh, state's Department of Health. They are in touch with all the hospitals right now to monitor capacity and what's going on. So you'll get more information from them. <sighs> Well, hopefully it won't get that bad, and we'll be okay in a few days. I'm just hoping. He's not in agony. Oh, that's good. Only if he tries to walk. Only if he tries to get up and walk. His knee is swelled up really bad. And the thing that's weird is right before that happened, I had a slip and fall inside the house. And uh, I'd hurt the opposite knee that he hurt. And my knee was swelled up like a football, and I was hobbling around on crutches. But... In a few days, that subsided and went down and sort of healed. It's still a little tight, a little bit tender, but... Was it in the same spot? Uh, I don't know. The slips, I mean. I don't know, because I fell inside the house. He oh, fell oh. He had a fall I, outside. I, I didn't hear his. Yeah, no, he had a fall outside, and he fell on concrete. And on concrete steps and the back steps. Well, glad to have you here now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, before you jumped in here, Jack, let me elect uh, electoral politics and how they've implemented a, uh, a digital democracy in Estonia. In where? Estonia. Um, turns out you can uh, vote online and do all kinds of <laughs> awesome shit over the internet over there. 
Yeah, you you only have to turn in phys- a handful of physical documents into their government departments and take photos at their government departments. Everything else, registration, renewals, voting, everything that you do with the government is online. Unemployment benefits, everything. And I they think, do it in an app. Right. I think when it comes to like convenience, we should measure our government through that too. Because it's like no matter how much of our time of bureaucrats and bureaucracies waste of our precious time, they we never get compensated for that. Like we never we never get help for that. It's like they can waste as much as our time as they damn well please. And you know, it's it's okay. It's like, you know, I, I just googled Estonia. I had to check that out. Apparently, it's uh, it's near uh, it's near Russia, in Finland. It's in the Gulf of Finland. I believe they're part of the eurozone and part of the EU. I believe. You know, uh, so uh, so Fred um, on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago. Uh, you had posted a uh, that you were part of a pilot program to automate some away. Uh, some of your guys' dispatchers. Uh, would you mind uh, shedding some light on that and uh, yeah. what's going on with that program? Yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing you. I know you said something about the post that I put about uh, I'm going to be automate, helping automate away all the dispatchers from the company that I get my contracts from. Is that, Correct. Is that what I heard? Yes. Correct. Yeah, so I don't know. the. It's going to happen in two or three weeks. I don't know the exact... Uh, you know all the different accounts of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to. to I'm excited to to automate it, automate those people away. To be quite honest. Could Could I uh, ask? Uh, do you by chance know the size of the dispatch department? How many uh, employees? How many uh, jobs you'll be helping? Uh, maybe maybe five to seven. And will you become the new dispatcher, or will it be fully automated with zero people managing it or maintaining it? Uh, I don't, I don't know the particulars, uh, but I will update people as. Uh, basically, it's just going to pull. I think what they're going to do, you know, how like they have automated systems for the Wall Street, uh, for Wall Street, where you can just attach, uh, attach a buying percentage uh, and selling percentage for. Uh, you know, at you know whatever companies. Uh, oh wow! This isn't this isn't like a simple automation. This is actual algorithms replacing college level workers. Uh, it's like high frequency well, trading. Well, it's yeah, an autom- it's a it's an algorithm that that's similar to the algorithm that they use uh, in in all in there's a, there's software that uh, Wall Street people are using now that uh, goes in and looks at the market. And then makes your purchases and then your sales for you, right? Uh, and so basically, what it does is it's going to go in, look at uh, look at the DAT board uh, based off your location, um, and then it's going to uh, uh, make a bid based off of what you you know you you probably say, okay, I don't want to take anything less than a dollar eighty a mile, and you know all the way up to you know. Three dollars a mile, whatever. Um, and 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 your company is like a midsize or is it a small business? 50, 60, 50, 60 trucks. So a more of a midsize business. Yeah, yeah, small. That's and, and uh, 
we all know that trucking is an incredibly common uh, enterprise. This is a massive change that is being pushed by the COVID crisis, correct? Well, yeah. The thing is, is like right now, the uh, like Monday I didn't work, Tuesday I ran, Wednesday I didn't run, and then Thursday and Thursday I did, and then Friday, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I'm taking my Friday load. <laughs> down to monday so two days this week i didn't even work because there was no loads available before if there were loads available they were just enough to pay me uh and then and then the fuel but not really have any profit uh for for the company i'm an independent contractor so um they don't want they don't want to get contracts that only pay me and not the company so they'll just They'll uh they'll just sit the truck. So I completely they can, understand. They can, yeah, if they can automate the the dispatchers away, that's just one more expense that they don't have to pay that goes into the owner's pocket. You know? I completely agree, but uh I, I love that uh this is like really happening and it's going to multiply on scale. You can assume that most uh trucking companies have or will pick up this automation as well correct uh yeah yeah so um smarter the smarter amongst us probably will the guy that i work with is incredibly intelligent and you know it's funny i said so are you going to automate away all all the dispatches he's like well yeah we're going to do it andrew yang style right (laughs) and you know you're the andrew yang guy so i figure right i figure you know you'd uh you'd be you know because you understand tech and i don't understand tech but I understand automation and I want to, I want to pilot the program anyway. You know what I mean? That, you know, that uh, is pretty what, incredible. Uh, hey, sorry, Jared. Hey, uh, Fred, do you know what the, uh, the name of that software is going to be implemented called? Say that again. Do you know the name of the software that they're going to be using? I don't, I don't. I actually, I actually text, uh, the owner this morning. I was like, Hey, uh, what's the name of this company? Um, and, do they are they on the stock exchange, right? Because I'm like, well, maybe I should get in. You know, maybe I should, you know, throw a few thousand bucks. Well, you, you, you know, should absolutely to... ask about stock options from your owner. But a company like you, I don't imagine, is on the public exchanges because oh, the cost of I going public is incredibly high. Yeah, it's, I, I know it's not on the uh, on the stock exchange. But what I was saying is, like, is there? Is this a publicly traded company that is doing the automation? Because I'd like I'd like to find out. Oh 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 uh, oh! I see. Yeah, when you're like, hey, what's the name of the software, right? Uh, you know, find out who the designer is, and if that designer, you know, is you know publicly traded, uh, you know. So I want to also invest in. Uh, there's there's a couple uh, there's a couple companies that own certain parts of the technologies that will uh, be instrumental in the the self-driving cars and trucks and you know i think if we you know if we can get in now at you know whatever a share uh it looks like it would be pretty uh pretty phenomenal down the road you know yeah on this uh, website called replaced by robot.info uh, it's claiming that uh, truck dispatchers have a 96% chance of automation. 
this truck dispatcher will certain almost certainly be replaced by robots. What will be uh, replaced by robots? Truck dispatchers with a ninety six percent chance. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So there you have it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of scary. I feel bad for my dispatcher. You know, I should have right when I said we're going to do this Andrew Yang style. I should have said. Well, if we're going to do it Andrew Yang style, we need to harness the gains from the automation and, and cash, uh, uh, cash dispatchers out. But I didn't say it, you know what I mean? Obviously, uh, we're not publicly traded, so. Knight Swift is one of the biggest uh, trucking companies since uh, Knight uh, bought Swift. Or was it Swift? Yeah. yeah. Swift was bought by Knight. Now they're known as Knight Swift, and their symbol is KNX. They're the biggest uh, publicly trading trucking company. And when they go automation, when they go full-on automation, it's good night, Irene. You know, um, and everything Andrew Yang was saying, why we needed UBI, just this COVID mess alone bears out that he was correct. And yet we're still seeing people protesting um, against the lockdowns and demanding that people go back to work. And the most of the things that I've seen with the protests were they weren't people that they were protesting for themselves to go back to work. They were protesting for others to go back to work because they wanted to go buy lawn fertilizer and seeds and get um, go to the hair salon or or something. And you know, it, they weren't they weren't protesting for UBI. Um, but people who've, who who are who who are um, upset about the lockdown because they've lost income. That's who you see demanding UBI. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, the, the protests that we've been seeing are absolutely uh, more business owners who have been shut down, as well as some more astroturfed uh, actors who need some cash during these desperate times. So we were, we were, discussing, uh, we were discussing actually starting an initiative like I'm, I'm going to start an initiative where, uh, kind of a lobby the lobbyist initiative where, uh, instead of going to Congress and saying, "Hey, we need a UBI, take care of us. We need a government that takes care of us," right? Uh, instead, going to corporations is saying, "We need a government that takes care of corporations," right? Um, and going to corporations rather and saying, "We need a government that takes care of corporations," and. To, what, to, to which most people would be like, what the fuck, right? But the corporations would be like, yes, I'm listening. And then uh, go to those corporations and say, uh, we need a consumer's, uh, you know, like a, a, a consumer's grant, right? Rather than, rather, than you getting, rather than you getting a subsidy for $5 million, uh, give, like, I think, it's, I think it would be 200 million people you have 200 million people above, that are above 18, I think it's 200 million, a thousand bucks a month. And you would actually come out better because, uh, again, if, it, if you just got a dollar from 200 million people, that'd be 200 million in revenue, right? Um, and that's in a year, right? And we're talking about giving a thousand bucks a month to every consumer. So launching, launching a program that is like I am a consumer, consumer, right? Like I like instead of help wanted signs, uh, hanging uh, consumers wanted sign, 
right? Because there's not going to be help wanted signs because the robots are going to be doing the help. And unfortunately, robots, although, although they make excellent employees, they make terrible consumers. So going to corporations and just getting them to admit that they are in need of consumers and they and hitting them with the mindset of scarcity and funding uh funding studies and getting a you know an economist like uh the lead economist for uh the roosevelt the roosevelt uh i think it's the roosevelt society of the roosevelt institute rather roosevelt um, institute, yeah. yeah the Ro and andrew yang cites a lot of their stuff right i think their uh head economist is joseph i don't know, i forgot the guy right um, getting him to, to do a study for us, right? And then presenting that to corporations and saying, you, sh you should lobby for yourself um, on us. And then we go and protest these, these top 20 corporations. We go protest them, but we don't protest them with hate. We protest them with love. We, we, we say, we love your corporation and we, we love your product. However, we cannot afford it. Because a robot stole our job. Here's the thing, Fred. Um, for many years, this is what we're going to be looking at overcoming. And I talk about this as somebody who's been writing and speaking out about the truth about poverty and classism as a barrier to jobs for poor people for years, years. And what we have to come, what we have to really overcome is this huge, huge problem that's so prevalent in America is that there's this mindset that. Everybody is middle class. There's enough jobs to go around for all. And being disabled is not an excuse for not having a job. Being pushed out of the economy due to age discrimination is not an excuse. And people, you know, just insisted that it's like throughout before COVID hit. People were saying, oh, but look at the unemployment stats. Trump gave us a great economy. No, Trump gave Part of the economy, well, you know, part of the economy was doing great. And whether or not it was because of Trump or because of market conditions, it would have happened regardless of who was president um, is a whole nother matter. But they were ignoring the fact that ever since uh, um, the, the late 90s, there's been people that have been surplused out of the job market, never reabsorbed. They ended up becoming homeless. They had no incomes. And nobody has been talking about that. And instead, it was swept under the rug. And the true, you know, facts about poverty and lack of enough jobs for all was never allowed to come to the fore. Andrew Yang actually opened the door and, and made it possible that we can now have that conversation. But we're still dealing with a significant chunk of the public that just does not believe that, you know, poverty you know, in America is something that's undeserved, that you must have done something to deserve it because, you know, you you uh, you should have had a job or should have a job. And I, I'm even seeing that even with the COVID thing. There are people saying, well, we understand that people have lost their jobs because of COVID, but they'll get rehired. And what about everybody else that was poor before that? They're, they're poor because it was their own fault. There were jobs to go around. No, there uh, was I, I know directly of seven... Uh, truck dispatchers that won't be getting rehired after this. So you Say can definitely again? use that anecdotally there, Jacqueline. 
to fire the people who actually deserve it for once are idiot brain dead head up their ass their asses leaders and just throw there was a skit in south park where they just had them on the ice block and they just cracked the ice block and let them drift out to sea never to be seen again i think uh, a further felon didn't hear what you said i didn't didn't quite catch it myself sheridan I'm so sorry. Uh, it was on uh, in response to Jacqueline's comment about. Um, I am totally lost on what. Uh, that's Jacqueline okay. Was that's okay. About. Move on. People who never got rehired or absorbed. Oh, that's right, uh, Jacqueline. You can use um, the current crisis has put out uh, seven truck dispatchers. You can use that anecdotally. That definitely won't be rehired because they got replaced by mathematical algorithms and a handful of computers. Yep. Controlled by what? One person, maybe? Nobody. Zero people. Yeah, that's what AI is. Nobody. Oh, wow. So it's like nobody's manning the... Okay. Um, well, yeah. Well, I, saw I, this happen in, I saw this happen in 2008 um, as an, somebody on the older end of Gen X, where right, when the, right before the crash happened, people my age who had been shut out of the job market because... What jobs there were, the boomers had, you know, were filled by boomers. Not that it's the boomers' fault for having the jobs, but it's just that it was denied that that we were suffering from lack of opportunities. We were, um, as a small, very tiny sized generation, we were just dismissed as whiners and slackers um, if we couldn't make it or get a job or get ours. And then when the crash of 08 happened, Right before that happened, the oldest boomers started to retire and jobs that were starting to open up that people my age should have gotten, we didn't get because we were over age 40, which is just in time for age discrimination to kick in. So not only were many boomers being permanently pushed out of the economy, but many, a significant chunk of Gen X, if not the majority of us, were completely bypassed and never, you know, we're, we're like a lost generation. We never got to participate. And I was writing and speaking out on many forums about this, only to be poo-pooed. It's like when the crash of 08 happened, there was initially this sympathy for people that had jobs that lost them. And people who had once been upper middle class ended up literally on skid row. They lost everything. They lost their 401ks. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. And because they were, you know, in their late 50s, they weren't getting rehired. And after a while, the sympathy for them subsided and was replaced by acrimony and resentment from people that did have jobs who viewed themselves as martyrs who were paying taxes to support those who didn't have jobs. And, you know, the, the mood switched and became rather ugly towards the jobless poor. And if that's what happened... In the wake of 08, and people are, you know, still not even coming to terms with the fact that this is why we have, you know, a, we've had a growing, you know, homelessness uh, crisis. It's not just the cost of housing, it's the fact that, you know, there has been increasingly large numbers of people, entire swaths of the population that have been permanently pushed out of the economy with no hope of ever getting back on their feet. And even now with this COVID, there's still, there's still, um, you know, some denial and it's really troubling. It's extremely troubling. I completely agree. The fact that uh, economists had to create the terms 
fixed income families or working poor families should have been a big bell going off that, hey, maybe the economy isn't doing so great since we're having so many people that we need to create whole new categories for them. Yeah, and the one thing that that, uh, I remember distinctly when Obama was running for president is Main Street, which is code speak for middle class, uh, Main Street and Joe the Plumber was mentioned in excess of at least 28 times. The word poverty was spoken only once. And I think that should be really waking up politicians, because if you think it's the middle class that needs a hand up right now, then everyone below middle class is suffering immensely. Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to submit to you that the way to the way to get uh, way to get people that are below middle class what they need is to cater to corporations and say, okay, all these soccer moms, all these Karens out here, right? <laughs> What's a Karen? Uh, well, it's the new, it's the new, it's like the new N-word for white women uh, that make a hundred grand a year, right? Uh, <laughs> they call, it's the, it's the new phrase, Karen, right? Uh, it's like, okay, Karen, right? It's like, okay, boomer, right? Oh, God. Um, yeah, so. I'm glad my name's Jacqueline because I'd be really pissed off if my name really was Karen. <laughs> so, so. In order to get the, the lower the the uh, the uh, lower middle class and the impoverished what they need, uh, what we need to do and what I intend to do is I intend to flaunt and advertise the absolute consumerist and consumer uh, the consumer mindset of wealthy uh, middle class white women, right? So like. Because if I can if I can get corporations to say that if you give a good looking white woman this amount of money, she will put it right back into your pocket because she is a consumer by nature, right? That's who she is. Like she has to have an infinity. She has to she uh she has to have the uh you know, the best anti wrinkle cream. She has to have the, the, the newest Lululemon, right? That's who she is at her core, right? Uh, but if I bang the, if I, uh, bang the desk with, uh, and I'm, we're all going to take different approaches, but this is a new approach that I came up with, and, and I'm spitballing right now, maybe talking to a bunch of people, uh, uh, where we get corporations to lobby for UBI for us because uh, we're looking we're looking at Congress saying hey we need UBI but Congress is going what they're doing is they're they're listening to us or they're seeing on you know they're watching Twitter and watching our hashtags and doing whatever but then they're going to Congress and then they're uh, in the meetings uh, they're going to their car and they're making their phone calls right. They're making their phone calls to their they're wealthy and well connected and saying, okay, what should I do on this bill? What should I do on that bill? Right. So when we make that phone call, uh, when when they make that phone call, rather, we need them on the other line saying, 
hey, I need consumers, right? And I don't have enough consumers to purchase to purchase my Coca Cola, to purchase my uh, my uh, my Amazon wish list, to to purchase my Apple products. Uh, we There's need- another way that people interact with the economy too. We interact. This is seventy percent consumer driven. But there's also a very large contingency of people that participate in the markets, either as traders or investors. Most people, now this sounds counterintuitive. Most people can't imagine that there would be poor people who are actually trading less than a dollar out of the money puts and calls to be able to buy groceries. We exist. Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. I really love this idea, man. I think another way you could frame it, too, is that currently in the United States, there's around 40.6 million people in poverty. That's like roughly 13% of the population. You give 40.6 million people $1,000, it's, like, it's a huge untapped sector of the market. You give them each $1,000, well, guess what? You got $40.6 billion in extra money to spend in the economy. Not just spend in the economy, but also participate as traders and investors in it because you know there's two two big ways that people participate buying the stuff we need and want and trading and investing you know and you know that that and we we need to really dispense with the idea that only the rich or only the upper middle class do the latter um i saved i prevented homelessness with a $350 gift that I turned around as a trader, as an options trader, and within three months turned it into the 3800 that I needed to pay our back due property taxes so we wouldn't get sheriffed out onto the street and lose our home and be living under an overpass somewhere. So it's, it's not like this um, is an anomaly. This, you know, this, there's a lot. I may be the first trader you've met, you know, who's not from, who's not well off that, you know, um, who's speaking truth about this, but there's an entire community and you can hop on market watch and see them all posting under articles about the market and people that, you know, maybe they started a little IRA with 250 bucks in a mutual fund and they're adding $25 a month to it. In addition to buying the things that they need, their, their food, you know, they're um, paying for the utilities and clothing and, you know, what have you, your incidentals, your everyday incidentals for survival. And, you know, what we need to do is be able to steer that conversation towards like what, what, I, what, what, what Fred is talking about, what I was talking about, is we really need to have an honest conversation about, about poverty and also about the fact that um, if we put this $1,000 a month in everybody's hands, there would be a lot of waste we'd be able to chop out that we would be able to have more people, we'd be able to have everybody participating in the economy as consumers, as owners and traders, investors, as both. And Encompassing everyone to become an economic actor. That's correct. That yeah. bingo, bingo, thank you. Say that again. What was the bingo? Encompassing <laughs> everyone to become an economic actor. Yeah, yeah. So basically, basically my point uh, the big crux of uh, of what I'm spitballing now is we have we have been operating under the assumption that Congress, corporations, 
or that anyone cares about poor people, right? So instead of clamoring for poor people, what we do is we clamor for the we clamor for middle class white women, right? Upper middle class white women, right? Oh like, my god, You're, that'll start a freaking riot! I no, want, I think that's it's a crazy wild idea that just might work because what the hell? Everything else seems to have not worked. So what, crazy is sometimes what you need to make something yeah. work, and it's it's a great idea because it's it's so counterintuitive. But the thing that yeah. like, concerns me is that there's people that there's a large contingency of you know people, and we know yeah. who they are that are going to scream and say, "Oh, you know these um, they 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 they're they're racists, and and they're going to call it a racist idea. They're going to call it." Uh, an idea that that hurts the working class and blah blah blah. Hey, Tully. Yo, what's up? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Hey, shaving with Tully. I got a stupid question for you. What made you yeah. come up with the uh, title "Shaving with Tully" instead of um, I don't know, something like "Drinking Coffee with Tully" or "Changing <laughs> Underwear with Tully" or. I'm just curious. I just had to ask. I watch your show. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, the story in 45 seconds or less is um, I wanted to create sort of a men's mental health channel. Where I talked about a lot of issues in society, but but also with a bit of a focus on mental health. And I had this amazing experience where um, uh, while I was living in, in China, um, I, I met this guy who was a refugee from Syria. Um, long story short, we, I invited him to live with me. We became roommates. And... Um, developed this, this brotherhood, just a great friendship. And one time we went out to a spa and we shaved together uh, while we were at the spa. And it was just so, so fucking cool. Um, and part of what I was trying, the idea that I was trying to get across is like taking back brotherhood um, and um, you know, like male unity because guys often feel uh, uncomfortable doing stuff together uh, because of basically homophobia, you know, they're scared of being called a fag or, um, or a pussy or something like that. And actually, you know, men are, dude, are human. Growing, growing out is the shit. Dude. What's up? Growing out is the shit. Yeah, it absolutely is the shit. Um, it's good for you. It's necessary as, as a primate. Primates, you know, they crave uh, companionship. Um, and so... Uh, I wanted to sort of take that back for guys. You know what? That's, we should have good. a lot more being in touch with, you know, the fact that we're human beings and we've just lived in this society and in this economy that has not been very humane. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not designed to. It's every, The way our laws are designed is um, for profit maximization predominantly. And yes! The thing that's sad is that we can have profits and, you know, people can, you know, profit well if we take, make sure everybody's taken care of. I mean, there's this idea that, oh, gee, you know, if if everybody gets a UBI, that those who are already doing well will somehow be made worse off and they won't profit and, you know, all kinds of nonsense. But Fred, Fred the Fallon's idea, which I really like because it's so wild and out there. Okay, and it actually makes sense. It's counterintuitive initially, but then when you sit there and you mentally masticate on this idea, mm-hmm. it, it does make sense, and it really could work. Um, we got to try everything we can, really. 
I yep. mean, so, every, so I got everything, this. everything you know that we can think of to try is worth trying. I think. Tully, yeah. I, I got this giant epiphany last night. Okay, I said we're we you know we're clamming uh, we clamored last night for you know the uh, for the Congress pass EBI and you know whatever. Uh, and when uh, Congress first has to you know they have to go to a committee meeting and then they got to go to their you know during the committee meeting uh, with you know with a bunch of lobbyists they uh, if the lobbyists aren't there. If their clients aren't there in the meeting, they've got to go out to their car and make a phone call, right? So what if instead of asking for our piece of the pie and coming at this from the angle of like, hey, we need to help the poor and we, you know, we need to do A, B, and C, and uh, <laughs> we come at this from the angle of uh, we want corporations to automate. Automation is good. Yeah. And, right? And we say we share with corporations the idea that uh, autom automation is a good thing and that robots and AI are excellent workers <laughs> and that they save on healthcare right. and they don't call in sick and they're very, very dependable. However, they are very, very, very poor consumers, right? <laughs> Fred, you're on fire. Right. So here, so here's the thing. Then we go to them, and uh, so basically, I, like right now, I've, I've got some people that I'm going to be in contact with. I've got a lady that I'm talking to Monday that worked for the Obama administration. She was like a press secretary or something like that. And then uh, she's really excited to talk to me. Uh, but we create a campaign around... Uh, dehumanizing ourselves, right? Yeah. So yeah. we de we deny our own humanity so that we can only be consumers. So we present ourselves and almost prostrate ourselves to corporations as consumers. And we even can protest the top 25 companies in the United States, not with hate, but with love, right? And what we do is we go, we go and protest we love your company, we love your product, but we don't have any money to buy it, right? Yeah. And we, what we need is we need a consumer grant, right? right. Like for example, if we tell a corporation, uh, because obviously the way Congress sees things, whether it's red or blue, if they're establishment, it doesn't matter. They don't, uh, they don't wanna give, uh, that's why they need to test everything. They don't want to give anything to poor people, and they need to test everything. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to corporation and corp uh, corporate uh, subsidies, that is obviously corporate welfare, and they, no, red or blue doesn't have a problem with that. If Fred, you're all something, brother. You guys, listen to Fred. We go, He's the truth. If we, hey, if, so if we, get, if we go to those corporations and we say, all right, instead of asking for $5 million from the feds, right, uh, why don't we do this? We've got 200 million adults that are above 18. We need to give we need to give your consumers a grant, and rather than asking five million dollars from the, uh, if you were just to make one dollar from every single person a year, that would be 200 million dollars. So of like if we take 200 million dollars 
times a thousand bucks a month. I don't know what the fuck that is, right? Are you saying you can't get one dollar from uh from each consumer on average per year? Because if so, and we just share the fucking numbers. You know what? Say, you know what, Fred? What you have brilliantly described. There's actually a technical term for, and it's called the velocity of money. It's yes. a thing. It's a thing, and. You know that there, that is the technical term for what you're describing. That we that you that 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 I think this is what makes your idea great. Is it it uh, it drills down the concept of the velocity of money uh, for everybody else as if they're for, so that everybody can understand this, including lobbyists, Congress, corporations, uh, everybody. Yeah. So basically, basically, what I do with the uh, is my goal is to lobby the lobbyists, right? So basically what we do is we get corporations to lobby for, not for us, right? But for our concern, for, for their consumers, right? We, we are, we're not, we're concerned about the death of corporate America. Like Coca-Cola will no longer exist if, if there's no one to buy Coca-Cola, you know, which is one of the top three companies. Amazon will no longer exist, exist if there is no, uh, buying power for people to go to their, uh, they're, they're freaking, and then, you know, they're, um, at cart and get the fucking buy button. You know what I mean? So, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the place because I hadn't slept last night. I'm fuck. I was just like, dude, we're going about this all wrong. And then another thing what we need to do is rather than, uh, go and we create this ad campaign centered around hot white women that are rich, Right. So instead of bringing uh, the, basically we're selling the corporations on Karen doesn't have enough money to spend on your product. And and we want the consumerism and the consumerism mindset to the fucking, uh, uh, the corporation. And then we present a problem and we can even, we can even uh, protest corporations. But instead of protest, instead of protesting them with hate, we protest them with love. We say, "We love your product. Fuck! I just wish we had more money to buy it, right? Why don't you automate and make the shit cheaper so we can buy more of your buy more of your product? It's too fucking expensive." What here's do you think? Thing, uh, here's the thing, and uh, it doesn't matter how cheap something is when your income is zero. Okay, when you have zero income. When you've been permanently pushed out of the economy, okay, okay, zero does not compound upwards. So when when somebody says something like, oh, well, this is cheap. It only costs $20. Well, for somebody who's homeless who hasn't eaten in three days, $20 is something they don't have because they don't have any income. They don't have any money. Yeah, change your thinking. Change your thinking. Basically, what we need to do is uh, we we need... We need to get uh, we need to get the corporations thinking about the upper the middle class and the upper middle class not being able to spend money on their product because they don't care about the poor. They well, the middle class about- the middle class are going to become poor are becoming poor very quick, and I would dare to say a significant contingency of the upper middle class are going to be becoming poor real quick. So. You know that's that's what I was trying to get at. And that, 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 that will affect that will, if if 
if what you say is true, that will affect their bottom line, right? And the biggest, to me, in, in my head, the biggest way to get people to see this is to, like, we, we have to leverage the 30 over white one in, right? Being threatened, right? Yeah. Hey, Fred, uh, just real quick, I want to let you know that uh, Oli had to dip out. He was just uh, popping in here to make sure his uh, his audio was working. He's gonna oh, okay. be back. He's gonna be now back. He's back. Uh, oh, he's back. <laughs> I live with Tully, but it wouldn't be my face. It would be my armpits and legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, me. Remember me, Tully? We 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 did that game together on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I I like. Well, I watch Tully's stuff. You know, from time to time, when I get a chance, I like it. I always just thought it was a cute, catchy name. Shady. I mean. Speaking of money, it's like I'm I'm a saver, but right now, uh, I I use my iPhone a lot. Now now I'm not speaking with my phone. I'm speaking over my computer. Do you guys hear a noise in the background coming from me or no? I just no, want to no, you're fine. Sounds, I don't know. Okay, I, no, you're great. Okay, do I? Okay, okay, good. Because now I'm seeing that part of my phone has expanded a little, like the lid off of its case. I think the battery is starting to swell up. I have like an yeah. old iPhone at 5S, so that's kind of like you know yeah. <laughs> the old you're, you're, you're good. You're good. You're actually one of the louder ones amongst. Oh, okay. But thank, I thought. Thank God, I can hear you really clear. Okay, great. I I thought I thought you meant my phone wasn't gonna blow up or something like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it, it's it's pretty good. I just think <laughs> that they said when the battery swells up, you have to get it replaced. So, and they do it for free for you with a newer version. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, but Tully, can you hear us? Uh, I think we're <laughs> just kind of on the sidelines right now. Um, so just just to get everybody on the same page here. Um, so Tully I guess, uh, will likely be back at the top of the hour. Uh, that's also when, uh, when Linside's going to be joining us. Um, does everybody just want to go the distance and stay on here, or should we take a break and come back at the top of the hour? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good idea. Like, whoever wants to stay can stay. Uh, yeah, so my plan is just to keep Craig, yeah. Craig running uh, until the start of the moderator discussion. Cut it off there. Uh, but please do take a break. Don't feel compelled to stay. We should all freshen up, probably. I'm going to go step away from the computer for about a half hour, and I'll come right back. Oh. Sounds like a plan. Okay. I will see you guys in three. I'm I'm just gonna keep Craig running until then. Um, I'm gonna hang because like I was late because sure. of having go ahead. You know, <laughs> you guys situation here that I had to have to deal with. So, um, yeah. So I'm just glad I didn't miss it all together. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Donnie's upstairs resting comfortably, so I can do this. But you don't think, Fred? You don't think that there will be backlash? About um, making this Karen centric. Uh, well, I don't. It's a joke. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just using that as a. No, yeah. they just use it as an analogy. I think. No, no, no. I, I mean, making that that demographic of. Uh, no, no, the because Karen demographic. Uh, uh, no, because because uh, it doesn't matter whether it's gentrification, whether it's uh. Like there's one thing that you don't fuck with, and that's a up that's an upper middle class white woman, right? <laughs> right? Like she will uh, she will fucking take your job, and in this case, she'll take your money, right? 
Um, what we're asking for Karen to do, though, is take your money and just spend it and hand it back to the the same corporations that are paying ten percent into the into the system through automation. So, uh, I mean, you could fuck with you could fuck with the white you could fuck with the white male, right? You, you can you can you can demonize the white male, right? And the the white male will prostrate himself to the establishment, right? Uh, but the second something threatens white women, right? Uh, yeah. It's, the, only it, thing it's that I'm con- the only thing I'm concerned about is that there's a significant contingency of white people of both genders who are not middle and upper middle class. They're poor. And, you know... Yeah, yeah. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You got to get out of this mindset of the poor. They don't, like, so... We, corporations don't give a fuck about the poor people, right? That's because they don't, the poor don't have money to spend. Yeah, well, the poor people, the poor people are gonna, uh, the, the poor people are gonna get money to spend anyway when the dividend income comes through. The uh, this is only a vehicle to get those corporations to move, right? That's all it is, right? So we we're showing. We're showing Karen's consumerism. We're showing, uh, well, Karen, Karen's not going to be able to buy uh, that. Karen's that not going to be able to get liposuction. She's not going to be able to get that uh, <laughs> facelift. She's not, I never she's understood not be, that people going under the knife. She's not going to be able to get that Michael Michael Kors purse. She's not going to be able to get the Lululemon uh, uh, yoga pants. <laughs> yoga pants. She's not going to be able to. Uh, so. Uh, but you have to do it. I'm just, I'm doing it in the most, uh, the easiest way to explain it to you guys. We have to do it in a way that's very slick, very sly and very tasteful where it doesn't look like that's what we're doing. Right. (laughs) I think I get you Fred. And I, I think it's a wild idea. It just might work because it's wild and everything else that's inside the box. And we're Yang gang is especially hanging. We're all mostly outside the box thinkers. Yeah, I love that about Yang Yang. And yeah, that's why I feel so at home here. And you know, because everybody's like outside the box thinking, you know. And right. the outside the box idea is that if you know if they were tried, get the know, most momentum. We would actually probably get st- solutions that work because right. you know, we would be able to un un get the the, the wagon, yes. so to speak. Out of the, out of the muck, we'd be it, able to get those wheels out of the muck. Right, the it's muck. like going through the back door when everybody like the, the the front door is like sealed and shut and has all these codes and shit like that. But there's like a back door that nobody is even looking at or acknowledging, and they're too exactly. uh, trapped in the noise and the clutter to even think about it. Right, it, it, like exactly. the like br- like burning people never in a million years would talk about something like this. Their heads would explode. They're like, oh no. What our oppressor? We're aligning with the oppressor. Oh no! But at least we, we're 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 more intelligent. We're we're more creative than that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're, we, using, we saw, a, we're using a we nice. We saw that what Andrew. We saw what Andrew did. I mean, he's got the fucking Clinton Foundation sucking his dick, right? He's got fucking. <laughs> uh, he's, got, he's got CNN sucking his dick. He's got MSNBC saying, holy shit, MS, uh, <laughs> saying, saying, holy um, shit, fucking universal basic income is a great idea, right? 
Bernie was never able to do that. Yeah, Bernie was never able. Now, Bernie was good at one thing, and that was getting people pissed off and riled up. That only goes so far. Right. Yeah, that, that, that solves yeah. zero problems. That, that solves zero problems, right, guys? I mean, it solves zero. Yeah, so, so basically, basically, exactly. what we're, basically what we're saying is like, dude, get, uh, we want to be your drones, right? Uh, pay us we want to be your customers. Yeah, we want to be your exactly. customers. Exactly. I mean, we want to buy your stock. We want to shit. We also want to buy your shares of stock, and you know, because we like the system, we just would like to be able to participate in it, and and this is how we can do it, and and then everybody wins. Ah, yay! There we go. And that's kind of like why I got so pissed, pissed off at Stephanie Kelton, who was Bernie's policy advisor, when she said during her interview with Jane Sanders that. Oh, only the middle and upper classes will be able to if they if we pass UBI instead of a jobs guarantee, the poor will have to eat all their apples while the middle class and rich will buy shares of stock in Apple. And I'm sitting there th- with the smoke coming out of every one of my bodily orifices. <laughs> I don't mean to go all TMI here, guys, but like well, yeah, I- they came out there the nether regions too. I was that pissed because I'm a trader and you know, when I have a little bit of seed money to work with, since, you know, this is the only option that's been made available to me to participate in the economy, I've shown and demonstrated is by, on my own life that this does work. And people can trade and accumulate capital to invest, to spend, you know, to, to wipe their ass with if they run out of toilet paper. For, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just had to get something in there about the toilet paper. <laughs> Well, well, uh, if you if you go by the numbers, uh, I mean, if we just look at just the pure numbers, uh, poor people don't vote and they don't invest. Um, no, because they've been told that they can't. They've been told this is not for you. Um, before we lost our food stamps, well, they've also been told by becoming by becoming ten dollars a month too wealthy. Um, I told I had to disclose to my my caseworker, you know. As a, a disabled 50-some-year-old woman who's not even getting an SSI check because my husband's Social Security retirement pegs us as too rich for me to qualify for an SSI benefit, even though I'm very much medically disabled. And um, anyway, when I had to go and recertify, I disclosed the $350 gift that a friend had given me, knowing that I know how to trade. And she says, well, that's that's not really a lot. We don't need to count that. But, you know, how, how's that going to help you with all these, you know, bills that you can't pay because you don't have the income. And I said to my caseworker without missing a beat, I'm going to grow that 350 bucks into enough to at least prevent homelessness by getting the property taxes paid off. And she looked at me and she said, Mrs. Homan, you're crazier than a shithouse rat. And my response again was, well, I might be crazier than a shithouse rat, but I'll be one crazy shithouse rat that's not going to be put out of the shithouse. house." <laughs> You know, um, and sure enough, you know, I was able to do that. And um, but that's that's why, because people have been have had it instilled in them that this is not for you. This is what poverty is. Poverty is a lifetime of being told this is not for you. No, you can't participate in music class as a six year old kid from a poor family because you can't afford to buy a cheap plastic flutophone. So learning how to play a musical instrument is not for you. And, you know, there's this whole thing I could get into, 
about this, about this is what really poverty boils down to. And the same thing carries over in when, when poor children from generational poverty become poor adults uh, behind starting out life a million miles behind the eight ball is you're, you're told at every step of the way around every turn, this is not for you. And the thing, the concept of accessing the markets to learn how to trade and to become investors and, you know, is one more thing that they're told this is not for you. So it's like part of this this um, idea is we need to smash those stereotypes and say, no, guess what? This is for you. This is for you. And, you know, it's not just for everybody else but you. But this is for you. You just need some seed to work with. You just need a UBI and boom. Not only are you buying stuff, but you're able to participate in the markets as a trader and as an investor. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, I hate to interrupt real quick, but uh, Lynn Seitz is going to be joining us in just a moment. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah. That, hey, if, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Lynn Seitz, uh it's a group of, uh, I believe, like three people. They uh, they, they run a uh, excellent YouTube channel that's very uh, Yang-centric. Informative. Insightful. <laughs> what is it? Linsight. L-Y-N-S-I-G-H-T. And what is it? It's a Yang Gang YouTube channel. It's more focused uh, on like technology and like common sense and getting to the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I think, I, think uh, I checked out. They only have like two, two three thousand or something like that. Three thousand point zero five. <laughs> yeah. Point zero six. Yeah. yeah they're, uh, they're, they're a subscriber count. Their view count's not all that crazy, but uh, they're pretty OG. So I, yeah. I think uh, they've you know they've uh, they've been around for, for quite a while and they know what's up. They're very like common sense and down to earth and no BS. Yeah, and they're not very Yang Gang. They're not very Yang Gang. Well, they're 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 Yang Gang to a point where they think that humanity first yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah, but I, but but what I like about them is like if you came in if you came into them and you were like didn't know about Andrew Yang. Right, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be like, "Ah, oh, that's Yang Gang, bye." Right, like immediately. Right. Whereas, whereas with some of these other channels, you're like, "Hey, people are right out the gate." They're like, "What up, Yang Gang?" Right. 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 Yeah, Lin 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 Sight is like the they they have all their stuff. What what is it? It's it's they diversify their content and they have some Yang. They're very diversified, different kinds of content. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's good because because people don't think that you're kind of like you, you're just like a, a a follower that doesn't have a mind of its own. Kind of like, unfortunately, some of the burners. It's like they don't even have a mind of their own. They're just like, you know, I'll, I'll just agree with like everything our dear leader says without questioning anything. And, and they'll attack the shit out of you when you do questioning you. Right, exactly. And and I that's Bernie Plantation boy. I mean, like. They'll come after right. you because like, that's what they did to me. I mean, I got swarmed. Uh, right. I was attacked bad. I, I had to hide when I right. first started becoming sympathetic to Yang. It was like I had to hide being Yang Gang for about a month. Right. You know? Yeah, it's it's very it's it's so terrible. And and even Yang said like I don't even want like all of my followers to agree with me that like that that's like a red flag. It's it's like you you know if a person doesn't have mind of their own. All they can be is like, you know, a zombie, for God's sakes. Well, I mean, you know? that's what's causing a lot of people to completely lose their shit 
Right. Just having to stay at home stuff with the COVID. Right, because they don't know anything else. It's like, well, you know, but but wait a minute. You have this time now. Can't you just like, you know, spend some time learning how to maybe build up a merch, a little merch store? That's what I did. I'm learning how to make online merchandise and uh, to sell. Uh, which I have some Yang Yang was right material up there. If anybody wants to go check it out, and I I called the name of that storefront Ninety Nine Reasons Why, because right. that's what my Patreon is called. But right. um, people just don't know. They just they are not used to um, being left to their own devices and finding out. Gee, what would I like to learn? What would I like to do? Um, exactly. Is it okay for me to just chillax and watch a stupid shark movie? And yes, that's okay. <laughs> Um, right. Okay for me to play video games. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, um, exactly. They're not, the- they're, they're not used to being told that, you know, hey, you have a brain, you have a mind, use it for something other than a hat rack, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, look, look, look to the right where I just put up about cognitive dissonance. Yes, exactly. So th- this, 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 what goes on in the minds of, people who are super aligned to a person or an ideology. This is, this is exactly what happens. And this is why it's so hard to talk to them. You got to make like a steel man instead of a straw man. You got, you got to find some common ground first. So this effect of them just, you know, their alarms going off and, and being threatened like that doesn't happen. And, and that, and that, that's why we see so many, like, uh, you know, when they say NPCs and when you disagree with them, they just yell and they scream and they go all like a beast mode on people. It's because of this, you know, what causes that? Well, I, I, I one mean, of the things I love cognitive dissonance, what, what causes that? One it's, of the things I love, I love to do is say, well, the numbers don't support that or the data doesn't. <laughs> The data doesn't support that, right? Like when right. people get in that mode, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, or, or say, uh, can can you you know can you cite a case study, right. right? But but here I put it to the right, Jacqueline. You see the mental conflict that occurs when their beliefs are contradicted by new information. Uh, uh, it it activates these parts that are involved in their personal identity and then their emotional response to threats. And then they shut down and disregard that rational evidence that contradicts what they previously regarded as truth. It's like you, you are, you are, it's, it's, it's like a physical attack with words on, on who they, who they think they are. And it's like, if I'm not this person, it's like, you are killing me with your rationality and your evidence because you're threatening like my very identity of who I am through your words and it's 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 crazy but you know i, I think that's how people work sometimes <laughs> well I, well that i I've, I've given up on trying to figure people out because some of the stuff that i've seen over the course of my 53 years of life mm-hmm. um is enough to make me want to go rip van winkle okay you know, well, well, put, me well, put me in one of those cryo freeze capsules and wake me <laughs> the fuck thousand years from now when when yeah. when we have some intelligence, uh, I understand that. I understand that, Jacqueline. What were you gonna say, Fred? I was gonna say, uh, well, uh, even Tony Robbins says that that uh, the the essence of humanity is is to be is this overwhelming desire to be consistent uh, with who they uh, are, right? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like this overwhelming desire to be consistent with uh, their identity. Right. So mm-hmm. if, you really, if you really want, if you really want mm-hmm. to have peace, uh, it all starts with like trying mm-hmm. to find out who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that identity, uh, uh, you know, for people like us uh, with rational minds, you can say that identity is the ability to be fluid. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the ability. That's one thing I love about Andrew. I literally was on the trail with Andrew, watched him. Uh, take a question one day, come up with a policy the next. He's like, you yep. know what? I, I fucking, I, I, I think psilocybin it would be a great idea. Right. Done. Right. And right? I think it's, it, it, it can be this same cognitive dissonance, not with just progressives, but with corporations and people, CEOs and all that stuff like that too, with this, with the, with this, these ideas, they, they have the same, even like the ultra rich have this cognitive dissonance as well that, you know, I, I made it through my own merits and like, I worked so hard and, and things, but, and then, then it's like, why, what, what, you know, if, if we give this money, people are not going to want to work and stuff. So, so we, we, that, that's beautiful what you're trying to do, Fred, because it, it, it kind of bypasses this cognitive dissonance that they might have with a UBI by protesting through in their favor through saying we want to afford your stuff so this bypasses this cognitive dissonance if we want to get effective we have to bypass this these alarm you know signals in people and these these kind of things we we just need to stand in line and say hey i'm here to buy but i got no money (laughs) you know what i mean i want to buy yeah yeah for sure it's, turn, it's, me, turn me into a turn me into a consumer, please. Sorry. Right. <laughs> that once we do that, it's it's it it'll change the game because we we won't be up against like a bulwark, like this this thing. Yeah. <laughs> All we gotta do is to do it. <laughs> it or or it's like you're preventing me from being a buyer. Why aren't you doing that? Don't 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 you want like more money to flow? I think to I'm you? gonna. I think I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna tweet. Karen wants to buy, but she doesn't have any money. Please oh, help. Oh man, that's, that's golden. That is golden. Right? Karen, then, Karen, Karen's complaining to the manager that she doesn't have money. Oh shit. Oh jeez. Please help, Karen. No, the Karen fund. The Karen fund. Killing in chat fund. Oh yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Chad wants to buy fertilizer <laughs> for his lawn. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. I think this this thing is it's it's like that's the beauty of like knowing to pivot and changing your mind with new evidence. You're never like you you're not gonna you you're like water. So like if if you take a hammer to water and you hit the water, like it doesn't hurt the water. No, nothing happens to the water. If you get a hammer to a brick and hit the brick, it like shatters. So you know, you hammer water, the hammer gets wet. Right, the hammer, yes, way exactly. So if we're like that water, like nothing can hurt us. Instead of being this brick that's so like thing, and then when you take some stress to it, it like breaks. 
if we're more if we're more like if we're more resi- cognitively resilient it, it's not going to matter what somebody says i'm not going to you know have a big no, no one can get like a big emotional reaction out of me anymore you know they they they're not going to have that power over me to get me riled up and pissed off and like acting like a monkey you know <laughs> You know, the uh, the analogy with water, I, I really like that because water is also one of the most powerful physical forces on Earth. If you look at what a rogue wave is capable of doing or a tsunami, okay, um, water is a very powerful force. And yet, because it is fluid, it is the most flexible. It is, you know, it's fluid. It can, exactly. go, it can go anywhere. Yeah, Bruce Lee used to say, he said, be, he used to say, be water. If you pour water into a glass, it becomes the glass, right? It takes the shape of the glass. Right. So, so UBI idea can be like water. It can take the shape of a corporate philosophy, right? There you yeah. go. <laughs> it becomes, you know, yeah. That's 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 the beauty of it and and that's the beauty of knowing that I'm changing my mind with this new information coming and I'm not and I'm not so stuck in my ways like a stubborn mule that I just I just want everybody to suffer because I have some idea in my head that I'm never going to let go of. That's what's causing all the problems in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well that and I think especially in the United States there is an underlying current in our culture that gravitates towards and worships cruelty for the sake of cruelty. Uh, that 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 uh, seeks to be cruel for the sake of cruelty. It's called gratuitousness. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, it's like some of the oppositions that I was getting from um, people when I was trying to talk to them about UBI. They were like, well, but we don't want the poor to be able to afford stuff like Steve Grumbine from the Real Progressives Group. His big thing was, well, if the poor have money, they'll buy all, oh, they'll all run out and buy Xboxes and drive up the price. And then my upper middle class snow, snowflake Chad self won't be able to afford the Xbox, and the Xbox won't be a special upper middle class toy for me. You know, and it's there is that mindset um, that, and that's part of our culture that it, it's like it's that there is this tendency to gravitate towards cruelty for cruelty's sake. I mean, think about it. We were a country that less than a century ago thought it was perfectly okay to send 14-year-old little boys to the electric chair. Google George Stinney, you know? I I mean, seriously. There's just this... I don't know. Yeah. How to overcome that, I don't know. How to make it uncool to be cruel, I don't know. Any ideas? it's not cruel. It's not cool to be cruel. I mean, yeah, it, I think maybe, maybe there's just like a sadistic people. Some people are just sadistic. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Like that's you know, look, look at the fact that our nation is, you know, in, in addition to being number one in maternal and infant mortality rates out of the developed countries and number one in um, the highest rates of, of inequality and poverty out of the developed countries. Number one, in COVID cases, number one in COVID deaths, we are also number one in producing serial killers. Now, these serial killers didn't get dropped down here from another planet. They are products. They are people who are products of the society in which they were born. 
Mm. You know, so it yeah. makes us that makes me anyway sit back and question what is it about our society, our culture, our society's culture that that has this penchant for gratuitous cruelty? You know, and mm. how do we make it uncool to be cruel? Yes, it's very sad. It, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe it's it's the um it's the culture uh where you see maybe maybe like the movies where oh he's the cool guy because he he's like above all these people and he, he like we want to be able to boss people around and tell them what to do and we want to have everything and we want other people to like see us having everything and them having nothing because it makes us feel good you know shit like that it's probably that not all of it but that's probably some of it what you're discussing there jacqueline yeah i mean it's just it's it's just mind-boggling yeah to, it to is say the least yeah I, I saw that it, uh, Kevin just jumped in in orientation uh, from Linsight. <laughs> Let's see. Is. Yeah, right, I'll, re- I'll reach out to him real quick. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm going to step away from the mic for a couple minutes. Um, sure. And I'll, I'll be back in a minute or two. So bear with me. I'm not going away. And I have my volume turned all the way up so I can hear you guys, even if I'm not sitting right on top of my computer. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, Fred, uh, what's your opinion so far of using Discord as the uh, as a platform for this podcast? Is it is it halfway user friendly for you? Do you prefer? Oh yeah, it's sick. This is the platform. I'm back. Yeah, I love it. Love uh, Discord as well. It's recording the entire time we're talking. Yeah. And you just yeah. go in and pull from it? Shale does that. Great. Yeah. Yeah, so we do it a couple different ways. Speaking um, of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we record uh, directly from the Discord, um, I guess, a chat bot. And then Shale will edit that down on the on the back end and then, you know, release a, a, a nice polished and packaged uh, podcast. And then uh, we also stream it live on, on Twitch. Dude, we need to put profits over people, basically. Fucking goddamn right. I like your circumlocutive rebranding, Fred. It's a very interesting <laughs> thing you've been pitching today. I've be been like, listening, dude, yeah. Dude, we, like, we need to put profits over people, right? And maybe how do we do that with a, maybe, with a UBI, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe the first step is you should start a new YouTube channel. You should start Patreon for it, and you should collect like five or six hundred bucks a month from some interested patrons who will fund just YouTube commercials that will only be on YouTube. And then perhaps if one's very good, eventually you could fund a, you know, a drive to put it somewhere other than YouTube. I don't know. And then maybe, you know, from there, some lobbying. Anyway, hello, Kevin from Linsight. Uh, welcome to the program. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? I'm Shale. And that is Jeremy. <laughs> Hey, this is but maybe you were addressing Jeremy, even though. Anyway, so, so, who, who am I speaking? Who am I speaking with right now? Yeah, uh, my name is Shale. I'm I'm the host producer here. Uh, oh, Shale. Okay. Yep. Right, nice to meet you, man. Yeah, welcome. Uh, Jeremy is helping you get set up. Everything okay? So far, so good. Um, so my voice is coming in clear. Uh, is that, is that... sound very good to me? Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, are are we? Is this a video chat or are we just voice? 
This is just uh, voice, you uh, may put your video on if you are attractive and your space is clean. I have mine off for some reason. I will not elaborate. Uh, right. We know why. Who is that? No one has their video on. If just if you're listening as a podcast and you want you want to get the joke. Let me try. Do we, do we need the video? First, first to the party. Right. Yes, you honestly may. Yes, thank you. Now you know, keep it on because that will bring our Twitch viewership up. Go, please. I don't even know how to use this, and I'm the first here. Well, I'll tell you how to use it. Has, keep it on. Nice you keep it up. You keep that. Put him right on the screen. What What is your name, sir? With the, with the well done hair, Kevin. Oh, yes, on. I'm talking to Linsight. That's me, man. How's it going? <laughs> Yeah, and you're uh, uh, Tully, right? Shaving with Tully? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm going to cut Craig here, and I'm going to open Craig up again for the second half of the show. So there okay. we go. Craig, leave. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I went through the trouble.